0: Gun will
1: travel rape the card of a man a without armor in a land. and now it's time to sit back and enjoy the two true freaks internet radio broadcast as long as they keep making animated star Wars Hope, Malnax and Chris Honeywell will be on the case. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi, a project that began with Clone Wars and now may never end.
0: Hi everyone! Welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of The Mandalorian. In this episode, Den and Grogu head to Tatooine in search for other Mandalorians. There will be... Den finds a boyfriend, and then they kill a dragon! We're talking about the Mandalorian episode, The Marshall, this week. How you doing, Chris? Good. I'm doing good, too! I, I was telling Chris beforehand, I'm taking a trip up to the mountains this weekend. Every Jealous. I know. Every year, like, me and my roommate, my other best friend, and, and our friend Kate, like like, we go to the mountains, like, every year. But we haven't been in, like, two years because of the pandemic. So this is our first mountain trip in, like, two years, and I'm very excited. It's going to be, like, me, Billy, Megan, and Kate for a weekend. And I'm getting to meet Megan's daughter for the first time because she had a baby during the pandemic, and I haven't met her yet. And I'm excited. Aunt Hope is going to be Aunt Hoping all weekend long.
1: <laughs> Imprinting.
0: Yeah, speak- Like, I'm, I'm her honorary aunt because, uh... Uh, Megan's not super close with her family so she asked me to be her daughter's aunt and I was like yes give me more children I'm a Pokemon collector I'm the Rumpelstiltskin of being an aunt give me children that I will not raise
1: (laughs) I've I've got two new unofficial godchildren (gasps) really yeah they're every uh, uh, right outside the door to my work is a tree and last year there was a mated couple of uh, morning doves that built a nest in the tree and had had a couple babies, and they came back this year. Same place, like right when you walk out the door. If you look up, as a matter of fact, there's a, and like, yeah, about a week ago they had two two baby morning doves, and morning doves are notoriously really shitty at making. They make really pathetic, you know, derpy nests. And so this nest is not big enough. So mom w- hung out with the kids and every day I check in and go over and talk to them and stuff. And mom just stares at me blankly, but the kids are young. So they're like dirt, dirt, dirt and looking at me and pecking at each other and pecking at the tree branch and stuff. So I've been trying to imprint on the baby, but now they're big enough that they just sort of take up the whole nest and mom and dad just sort of hang around on the sidewalk And in a tree, in the tree down the sidewalk and just keep their eye on them. But there's a little pile of baby dove poop. Outside and I've so far just to be the dad joke asshole I am. Have walked up everybody who comes outside and goes, see that? And they go, yeah. And I go, this is what it looks like when doves poop. Oh, Chris. This is what it looks like. When doves poop, doves beep beep beep. beep, beep.
0: Yeah, uh, kind of a slightly funny story because I am yearning for that dink lifestyle, dual income, no kids,
1: and well, you got the no kids one down.
0: Yeah, and so like everybody knows that I am the last choice, but like when we were at uh, Megan's baby shower, which was like j- January before the pandemic um her friend Brittany who who is lovely I I know Brittany and she's a great person like she was whispering something to Megan and like kind of looking at me like and out we were sitting outside and like Megan looks at me too and I was just like what's going on guys and Brittany was like I I didn't want to be rude I was just asking to see if you were the godmother and I was like no (laughs) I am not. Everybody knows not to leave children with me. I will babysit them. I will watch them. I will not raise them. <laughs>
1: yeah, if you leave them with me, they're just going to die because I'm not going to water them or anything.
0: I mean... if if worst-case scenario happened, oh, my God, knock on wood. And, yeah. like, all my oh, yeah. siblings, like... Oh, no, like,
1: you would be great at it, too, but... Yeah, yeah.
0: like, I would make it work, like, worst-case scenario. But, like, I am, like, choice 12. <laughs> Everybody knows not to let me raise their kids. I will watch their kids and babysit them and love on them and, like, do all the wonderful aunt things. Everyone knows not to, like, let me raise a child. <laughs> But like if worse came to worse, I, I would raise I would raise uh I, one of some of my siblings or Megan's child if, if something horrible happened, knock on wood, I hope it never does. Yeah. And even oh. then, like if something happened to like Megan and her husband, their daughter is going to Megan's parents. <laughs> so like I am still not first choice. <laughs> Everyone knows. I raise cats and cats only. <laughs>
1: So. and cats alone
0: yep 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 oh boy this was a long episode I forgot I was telling Chris beforehand I forgot that it was almost an hour long and then I opened the episode and I was like oh shit I need to focus I can't I got so used to like the twenty like four minute format and I opened this and it's like 55 minutes and I was like oh no <laughs>
1: Yeah, they always do that. I was sort of expecting. I sort of remembered it being like that, but it, it, for me, it went by fast. We'll have, we'll have, we've had a little pre-game discussion of it, but yeah.
0: For me, most of it went by fast, but not all of it.
1: But not all of it.
0: <laughs> I will talk about that, and even then, it's it's not bad. So, well, what were your thoughts on the Marshall?
1: I liked it a lot. I I liked it a lot more the second time I think than the first time.
0: I something I got from this episode that I really, really felt is the later stuff really added back to this one. Like a lot yes. of the book of Boba Fett stuff, yes. a lot of um, the rest of the season two, It really well, added back to this episode. It put,
1: and, and, and this, ad, it, 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 it puts into perspective, like stuff that in this episode was maybe felt a little janky because it was setting up stuff in the future. But now that it's all the, uh, well, there's probably even other stuff that's been laid out that we haven't seen yet, but it shows it shows the extent that and I remember us talking about it and thinking, saying, you know, they're obviously, you know, there's some there's some footwork for the fo- footwork for the future all through all these shows. And But yeah, this this episode shows you a lot, especially Book of Boba Fett, a lot of like groundwork that was being laid for Book of Boba Fett and. And later on in the season, but that just makes sense anyway in a, any normal season, but yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you ready to get into it? I'm already. <clears throat> chapter nine, the Ma- the, I was about to say the Mandalorian, chapter nine, though we're doing great already. Chapter nine, the Marshall, is the 16th episode. Uh, uh no, it's not. It is the... Ninth episode of the Mandalorian. I forgot to change that in my notes. We're not in Bad Batch anymore. I miss you, Bad Batch. Um, we'll be back. Yes, yes, I can't wait. Um, the Marshall is the ninth episode of the Mandalorian. It aired on October October 30th, 2020, and it was written and directed by Jon Favreau. A lot of extra information for you because this was a very big cast, and some of them do come back. Cobb Vanth is played by Timothy Oliphant. His other works include Fargo, Damages, and he's known really well for West... Uh, for West I can't read... For Deadwood, where he also plays a cowboy. <laughs> I'm doing great tonight, guys. Um, uh, Where was I? Tamara Morrison makes his on-screen debut as Boba Fett. He voiced Boba in the re-release of Empire Strikes Back, as well as in Star Wars Visions. He played all the clones in the prequel movies and Kenobi, as well as Django Fett and Attack of the Clones. Gore Koresh is played and embodied by John Rosengrant and voiced by John Leguizamo. Rosencrantz's other works include being the body actor for Freck and Kenobi, puppeting Grogu, and being the supervisor of special effects for Legacy FX Studios. And John Leguizamo's other works include the Ice Age franchise, When They See Us, and He's Bruno and Encanto, who we don't talk about. See, I'm hip with the time. I'm a kid.
1: And I... the Runaway from the Wind um, M. Night Shyamalan Ding Dong movie and um, um, Land of the Dead. And George Romero zombie movie. He was
0: yeah, great. It,
1: it, he's great. He's a great character actor. He's he one really of my is. favorite character actors. He was great in Spawn, the original Spawn movie.
0: Usually when he was I write the these, only
1: thing about that movie that was good.
0: Usually when I like write these, I try to pick th- three, but it's John Leguizamo, and I was like, there are so many things. I can Yeah, pick for yeah, him.
1: yeah. He's a bu- he keeps himself busy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So like it, in it, the past,
1: he had a TV show for like half a season
0: <laughs> yeah it, it was one of those i was like i will have to try and choose relevant like big yeah. stuff because john lukasama's and so much and it's it was really I hard just, to pick i his. just
1: had to chime in and and say some of my favorites because like it's lucky it's only two of us because it would probably be a list a whole list from a bunch of different people yeah mm-hmm. he's great
0: Taunty, the Weequay proprietor, is played by W. Earl Brown. His other works include True Detective, Preacher, and he was also in Deadwood with Timothy Oliphant. Joe, a member of Freetown who later befriends one of the mods in Book of Boba Fett, is played by Charisma Gideon. The Mandalorian was her first acting role, with Book of Boba Fett being her second major role. And finally, the two lead Tuscan readers are played by Miguel A. Lopez and Javier Jimenez, And uh, with Jimenez, Jimenez (laughs) I can't read. Uh, With Javier Jimenez, later later playing the Tuscan chieftain in Book of Boba Fett. Cobb Vance's first appearance was in the book series The Aftermath Trilogy, which which talks about how he came across Boba Fett's armor. Some of the events were slightly changed for this episode, but the gist of what happened are roughly the same. This was one of the biggest this is one of the first biggest instances of a minor book character stepping into live action. Vanth was followed by Black Chrysanthemum, a comic book character showing up in the book of Boba Fett. And finally, Every episode of the series has been released using letterbox framing. This episode is unique in that it shifts to a full screen for the scenes involving the battle against the crate Dragon. As the crate broke the surface of the sand coming out of its cave, the screen gradually widened to full screen and narrowed back down to letterbox framing as Din Djarin spit away with Boba Fett's armor. All right, you guys, we have something special for you. We would love to welcome back... Rogu! We are so happy to have you! (sighs) Hi everybody! I look forward to working with all of you again. Let's work really hard to make the best season we can, (laughs) alright? Yeah, we're so happy to have you. you. You worked so hard in this episode.
1: Thank you, it was a
0: really difficult episode to do because we had to work in the sand and it was really hot but I think we did a really good job on it.
1: (laughs) Hi Yoda. How are you? Two One Ah, peace with the Force.
0: You better watch your back, old man.
1: Yoda does not talk to Grogu. Yoda Yoda has been in therapy.
0: Good, because I'm going to bring you more.
1: Yoda's therapist said, Yoda, don't talk to Grogu. Just write a poem about Yoda's feelings.
0: Oh, so I live went free in your head.
1: Yoda will read his poem now.
0: When you meditate, I'll be there. (coughs) When you sleep, I will be there.
1: Yoda must read his poem.
0: Read your little poem. It will never help you escape me. (coughs) Hi, everyone. I was just having uh, a lovely uh, private conversation with Yoda. He's so lovely.
1: (laughs) A poem by Yoda. About Yoda's feelings.
0: Oh, I would love to hear that. Yoda here's being so- Chris, he's <clears> being so good today! Yo, yeah, Yoda, come on, give us a poem about your feelings.
1: <clears throat>
0: yes, read it.
1: Read Gro Grogu. No, no, Grogu. No, Gro. No Goo. Go, Grogu. Hate you. To the swamp! Where Yoda stomp. A Jedi you are not. Just a little snot. Grogu. Yoda mails you to the zoo. Grogu. No food for you. And Yaddle too.
0: Yoda. He's been nothing but kind to all of us. How dare you? (laughs) You made him cry.
1: Therapist said would be healthy for Yoda. Makes Yoda feel better.
0: Go back to your trailer You made her cry.
1: Yoda feels better now. Therapy is working. Yoda's going to write more poems for Grogu
0: Yeah, walk away old man. I'll be waiting God he's just getting worse. I I, uh, Grogu's so nice. I don't know what sets him off all the time.
1: You know people get old they get a little dotty you know
0: yeah
1: remember when joe biden used to like call people jack and fat and stuff and charge at them when he's you know getting a little on the campaign trail they get a little you know maybe a little hungry and hangry i don't know
0: are you we saying don't... that are you saying that we'd have better politics if we just give joe biden a snickers
1: maybe <laughs> Maybe it might be that easy. you never know it's it's easy enough to try, right?
0: Oh yeah, we it's live in the hell escape. not much it's... to
1: lose. It's not gonna put a dent in the budget.
0: I mean honestly, we live in a hell escape so at this point if giving Joe Biden a snickers will make it better, then I'll Jesus
1: take it. Christ, give him a grande from Starbucks or whatever the hell they call him.
0: Oh uh, 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 someone give me a grande boyfriend. Ah, bits.
1: The... oh jeez <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: All right, you ready to get into this?
1: Oh, yeah, somebody's oh, really? getting a somebody's getting a grande in the in this one.
0: Oh, yes, Dan is. He's getting a big, tall drink of Cobb Band,
1: getting a giant size speeder bike.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't note it, but apparently, like Cobb Band speeder is like parts of anakin's pod
1: racer it's 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 definitely like the it's definitely like exactly like the engine from one of anakin's pod racers but that doesn't make it not look like he's sitting astride a giant dick next to (laughs) next to uh and
0: they're like looking at each other
1: with his regular old mandalorian size going like well, maybe i uh Maybe I got the wrong impression on this guy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, this is gay episode. This,
1: this guy knows how to roll.
0: Yeah, he does. Anyway, Act One. Act One. <laughs> so one since since it's been a while I just want to give kind of like a tiny recap of season one so Din Djarin's mando. he finds a kid and it's Grogu and then he has to like do they, they run a bunch of errands together and like Din lives by this creed where he can't he's a Mandalorian but he can't remove his helmet and he hasn't taken off his helmet for a year or for a year for years since he was a child and so this whole thing is like the whole entirety of the first season is them essentially running errands um, until they meet Moff Gideon, and Moff Gideon's like, I want the child, and it's like, no, and then they fight, and then Gideon's like, girl, I'll find you later, and during all this, they find the Armorer, and the Armorer is the leader of Den's Mandalorians, and she's like, you have to return this kid to his people, and Den is like, Do you mean, like, his species or to Jedi? And she is like, I am unclear. Figure it out. And he's like, cool. And that's where we are coming into season two, is Den is tasked to find Grogu's species and or people being Jedi. It's vague. Anyway, on to the episode. We open at a random city, and it's really dark, and who knows what the fuck is going on because they don't know how to light this show. And Himbo Din, because remember, Din is a Himbo. He always a has been. He always will be. He's a Himbo. Himbo Din and Grogu seek out a guy named Gore Koresh for info about other Mandos. And they get to this place, and they're like, hey, we want in. And for once, a not-hot Twi'lek is just like, come on in. And it's ready to rumble! Because it's a fighting arena and, pe- and there's Gamorian guards fighting in a ring, and everyone's like, Yeah! And people's holding up signs like, I wanna see Pig titties! And like, it's a whole thing. And Mando comes over and sits beside Gore. And Gore's like, Sup, man? And he's like, Hi, I need info. And Gore's like, No! Because I'm watching my match. And Mando's like, I'll pay you! Because I hear that you know where to find other Mandalorians. And Gore's like, You know what? why don't you give me your armor and then we'll talk and den's like no i'm not gonna do that i need my armor and gore's like sorry bro too bad for you and he springs a trap on mando and then grogu does the thing that's the gift that broke the internet that day where everyone was retweeting it like i am scared hits the button and he goes into his pram so he's in his pram and apparently this gore guy sucks because he actually doesn't know where Mandos are he lures Mandos to them because Beskar costs a lot of money and he wants to take Din's Beskar and sell it and Din being the bright boy he is walked right into the trap and Din's like I guess you're all dead now, and a brawl breaks out, complete with table smashes! This really is wrestling, because the Gamorrean Guard flies out of the ring and lands on the table. (laughs) And it's great. It's really great. And during all this, Gore runs away, and Din beats up everybody, and is like pew pew, and like fighting and punching them in the face, and it's really cool. Because Din has two modes, idiot and awesome. There's nothing between, (laughs) because that's who Din is. And he runs outside and he captures Gore. And Gore's like, please don't kill me. I'm just a sleazy boy. And Den's like, where are the other Mando's? And Gore's like, when did you become Batman? And Den's like, I'm sorry. Sorry, I have a cold. I'm not Batman. He's like, there's a Mando on Tatooine, apparently. And then when we hear the words Mando on Tatooine, the entire fan fandom at the time was like, oh, Boba Fett? Is he talking about Boba Fett? But Den, who's been a bounty hunter for years, doesn't ask this question. Apparently doesn't know who Boba Fett is. So he's not going to inconvenience himself with that. Amanda leaves Gore to be eaten by what I have to believe are Fear Knocks from Rebels. But you can't tell because it's so goddamn dark. Who knows what they are? Anyway, it's off to Tatooine. Again. But you know what's on Tatooine that makes it worth it every time we go back? My dear, sweet, pansexual cr-queen, Pellimoto. Pelly is there, and she's great, and then lands, and she like, rips open the ship, and she's like, Where's um, the baby? Um, what? Hope?
1: It's huh? space pansexual.
0: She is space pansexual.
1: She certainly is.
0: Yeah, she did that job. <laughs> Good for her. <laughs> I actually really ship her with, like, the little Twilight guy who served the, who's in Book of Bofet, like, the kind of, like, the one that's just, like, the toady guy, and, like, and she protects him at the end, I was just like, I hope you guys make out, you guys are fun. <laughs> anyway, she rips open the ship, and she's like, where's the baby? And Den's like, hey, Pelly, I need some help, and she's like, I don't give a fuck, I want my baby boy. And she picks up Grogu and he's all like, Pally, and she's like, I love you. And they have a cute little reunion. And Den's like, I'll be back. So Den goes and gets a drink and he has a nice strong drink. And he has some alone time because now he is like free babysitting. So he has like a nice dinner and he and he like just has like, and he goes to the spa and he has a really nice evening. And he comes back and Pally still has Grogu and he's like, hey, I need some info. And she's like, alright, what do you need? And he's like, I heard there's a Mando. And apparently he lives in a place called Mos Ma- Pelgo. And and Pelly's like, huh, that's weird because Mos Pelgo was destroyed. It should be here. Shows him a map. And he's, she's like, good luck. So uh, long story short, Den's like, I need to borrow a speeder bike. And she's like, cool. And he gra- borrows a speeder bike from Pelly Mo- Moto and they head out to look for Mos Pelgo. What did you think of Act One?
1: Well, I don't think um, Din's gonna um, associate ta- tattooing with Boba Fett because I don't think like that was really like a home base or any yeah, place, yeah. you know.
0: I, I probably worded that wrong. It's more along the lines of if Din's been a bounty hunter for years... Shouldn't he know what Boba Fett looks like? Because Boba Fett is the best bounty hunter in the galaxy? Oh yeah, no,
1: and I'm sure like he's also known as having is wearing Mandalorian armor, as having Mandal or as a Mandalorian. But, but this at guy, the same listen, time by the guy by,
0: who didn't know who Jedi were.
1: But he might have known he might have known who Boba Fett was, but at the same time, by this time, probably nobody's heard of Boba, heard from Boba Fett in a long it's, time, and he's probably yeah, it's, presumed it's, dead.
0: It's been so, five years.
1: So he's probably not, like, really on his radar of, like, Mandalorians to find...
0: The The way I rationalize him, not who Boba Fett is, is Den was raised in a cult, and he might be yeah. a recent bounty hunter.
1: Right. So right, right. it
0: might it might be a thing of, like, by the time Boba Fett disappeared five years ago is when Den became active. So it just might not be anyone who he's ever ran into, because also Den, Den didn't know what a Jedi were. And Jedi... Well, you would his you, lifetime.
1: You'd think as a bounty hunter that people might like mistake him for Boba Fett. Like when he comes to get him, they're like, Are you Boba Fett? or you know, or you know, there would be a lot of like, Do you know Boba Fett? Or you know, you're you're you know, you definitely not as good as Boba Fett. you know, all that, that shit. You know, you'd think there would be a lot of that.
0: That sort of happens later in the season, but the reverse. Um, it's in the Believer episode, and when they all go pick up um uh, um Oh, uh, what's his name? My favorite character, uh, played by the the comedian Bill Burr. Um, uh, uh, oh, uh, um, Boba Fett comes off the ship, and he's like, "Oh, you remind me of somebody." And then walks then walks off the ship. He's like, "Ah, there he is." <laughs> they kind of do the reverse of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's- I don't have a lot of notes on this. Yeah, this, this is one. the
0: one act I don't have a lot of notes for.
1: Um, I mean that that the the fight scene at the at the beginning is very well choreographed you can see everything that's happening it's exciting it's you know there's some people who complain a lot of the fighting in the show has people sort of like waiting off to the side and then he'll beat up somebody and somebody else will move in and stuff but it's not really that that's not really going on in this one too much and you can tell what everybody's doing and it's got a it's got a flow and a rhythm to it and uh My my only real like shallow note is I'm gonna um, Leguizamo's character. I'm gonna call him David Koresh. Um, Mm. Mm. He looks like a one-eyed. He looks like a a cyclops version of Ernest Borgnine. I never would have like picked out Leguizamo's voice because he's so like chameleon-like anyway. But the character I just immediately thought like '80s, you know, Escape from New York, the Black Hole era, Ernest Borgnine. Um, he just had that. I don't know if it was on purpose or something, but it it was. Uh, and it it's funny because it's the closest thing we've seen to someone with like a a suit on since um, probably um, uh, the Last Jedi when they were on um, what do they call it? The Gambling World there, where there are a few people with suety sort of things on. But uh, oh yeah, yeah. But this uh, whole opening sequence is so beautifully shot and and just laid out and planned out and and visually visual storytelling. And uh, it almost, and then, you know by the by the time it sort of winds up on that opening segment, you know, where he uh, where he goes to get the information to go to tattooing. It almost feels it's it's almost like the the visuals are almost like stage staging videos, you know, like on a, for a play. You know, there's there's a nice just a a shot where you see the whole thing and somebody will walk from one side to the other and it, it's it's very like formal, old fashioned, you know, visual storytelling and but it's also got that sort of John Ford western you know compose when you have a nice vista of a landscape you compose it you know and and uh have the characters just sort of move through it it was was very nice very nicely done not a lot not a lot to you know you just you just uh described a third of the episode (laughs) you know story wise story wise but uh yeah it's it's just it's be- it's more beautiful to look at you know you get a little bit of story but the way they tell it is just very nice it's a good way to that's a good way to open up you know it's sort of like it's sort of like the last season opened up
0: yeah um i love the graffiti on the walls yes I, love, I that, like those are such great set dressings the like C-P-O that, that. in there yeah that was always one of my favorite parts about going through the Clone Wars concept art, because something they did with Clone Wars and Rebels, um, when you go through the concept art, they'll have, like, the paintings by themselves. And I actually, like, I was struggling, because Mando doesn't have, like, a trivia gallery like Clone Wars, Rebels, Resistance, and Bad Batch did. And I was like, where's the trivia gallery? Because, like they would often have like pictures of the graffiti just like by themselves. And that that was always my favorite part to look at. Um, and I'm sure they saved it all for like the art book, but I'm just like, but I want to see it here for free.
1: <laughs> the graffiti, yeah, the graffiti in it is, is really like nice and stylized and re- it's, it's got that real decrepit city look of like an area where the graffiti artists go and somebody sat and spent some time, and did this in their style but there's other people's stuff on top of it it's got that just sort of because a lot of times in movies in general and like as we've seen it in star wars and even in rebels when they'd have graffiti before like with the graffiti it was a story element with a character with you know sabine doing it and so it was always just sort of like okay i'll put my graffiti on this tie fighter or whatever but this is just this looks like a real like you just are in a back alley in new york city where some graffiti artists have time to just hang out and and it it had that sort of sloppy it it doesn't have it and a lot of times when people are like okay we need to graffiti up the set they they put some design out cuz you're you have professional designers and stuff whereas graffiti artists There might be some really nice design, but it's only one section of it. And then there's somebody else doing something on top of it and overlapping. And and so a lot of times it just becomes this mush of. And and uh, this was like not was like black, more black and white and muted colors. So it was it was really neat.
0: Yeah, I really love that set dressing. Probably the stupidest note I wrote in this episode. And this was. And the answer is probably yes, because we probably saw it somewhere in Clone Wars that I just don't remember. Have we ever seen Gamorreans wear anything that's not their Jabba's Palace outfit on screen?
1: Not that I know of.
0: I feel like we probably ran into some, like, guard in Clone Wars or something, or, like, some character in the background. But, like, whenever they're prominent on screen, they're almost always in their Jabba Palace outfits. And I'm like, is it's, that just what they like-
1: wear? and maybe it's because they're almost always like be in, an enslaved race. And maybe there's one, just one major slave dealer of Gamorian guards and that's what he puts them in, you know, and they're like, yeah, this works out better because it's got the flap in the back because they poop all the time, you know, and, or, you know, there's, yeah. And, uh, I think I, I, I can't believe they haven't done, you know, like they've done with a lot of other aliens in star Wars is, is go through some of the, you know, the spectrum of what Gamorrean guards are, look like, you know, and have some that are like taller and, you know, maybe even shorter fatter, you know, or whatever, you know, instead they're, yeah, they're, uh, the only thing about the, the, the only thing I'm going to say about the Gamorrean guards is they look better. The, I think they're a combo of suits. if, if they're a suit, the suit is a lot less rubbery looking and looks more like skin. They look like little fat kids, you know, with fat, hairless legs. You know, they. It looks like real. They they've always looked like foam rubber creatures and always moved with sort of like, you could tell there's a person under a foam rubber suit. Whereas these ones, I I don't know if it was a good suit or if it was a combo of suit and CGI.
0: like body paint maybe.
1: And some what?
0: Body paint, maybe?
1: Body paint, maybe, if they found some guys who were, like, built close enough to Gamorrean guard build, or maybe they tweaked it digitally or something. Whatever they did, they look more realistic in this than they ever have before, you know?
0: I'm going to look up the actor of the Gamorrean guard right now.
1: They could have dressed them similarly, but just given a different (sighs) flair to it to, to... you know, reflect this guy's. You know that they worked for this guy.
0: Who are you? They don't have an entry on Wikipedia. Oh, this guy's a big boy. His name is uh, one of them is uh, Barry 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 Hanley, and oh, he is he is a bodybuilder.
1: So so maybe <laughs> so they probably- maybe.
0: It was probably uh, body paint, to be honest.
1: Yeah, maybe they body painted him, but just then forced perspective them or digitally shrunk them down. So they were more to the height of a Gamorrean guard, which made that, you know, if you if you put a bodybuilder into that size, it would look about right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. so I I looked at both the actors um, and they're they're both kind of big, muscly guys. So. Yeah. So. I'm down for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, like I, I was thinking about that. I was like, every time we've ever seen them on screen, they always look like they're job outfits. And I'm sure we've ran into them somewhere in like Clone Wars or something where they're in something different. but like prominent places, they're always about outfit. Um, so I want to talk about Brogu for a second, um because there are two times in this episode where other people are like, Hey, Den, this isn't a place for children. And then later in Act 2, Cobb is like, Are you really going to murder me in front of your kid? And Den's like, He's seen worse. And it's just this...
1: Is that what they're talking about? Huh? We'll uh, we'll get to that exchange in the next part. I I have that exchange coming up in the next part.
0: But I think it's just interesting to see how Grogu is reacting in learning and continues to be exposed to violence and how it's going to affect him in the long run. Um, I think it's going to become more prominent. Uh, I shouldn't say think cause I've seen the episode. Um, I think that's part of the reason that Ahsoka doesn't take him in the Jedi episode is because he has so much trauma and we know in book of Boba Fett that he struggles with this trauma. And now here's Den constantly exposing him to violence and it's becoming very normalized for him. And to the point where Den's like, Yeah, I'll kill you for that armor in front of my child. He's seen worse. He's seen people get disintegrated. It'll be fine. And I just think that's really interesting because I I mostly I don't really have a long note, but I kinda wanna note it because I would like to see it pay off eventually. Like, see, like, maybe if, it's a, if at any point Grogu becomes verbal and can talk, how it affects him and how it will change him. Because Grogu is really, like, the one character, like, he's cute, but he's a mascot. He's not really a character. But if they ever get him to a point where he's actually a character and can, like, verbalize feelings and emotions, I want to know how this affects him. And I, I just, I just. Two times in this episode, people are like, "This kid shouldn't be here. This is violent." And it's then, okay. like, it's fine.
1: They'll they'll show it. They, they'll if if he can't if they don't have him verbalize it, they'll have it. They'll have it shown in action before that.
0: Yeah, we kind of got a little bit of that when Luke is training him. Yeah. You know, robot Luke, um, where like when he's remembering Order sixty six, like Grogu's in pain and he, the memories like haunt him. So like we get a little bit of it, but that's it's interesting to see these building blocks to me and I want I would love to know where they go because I I he can't just be cute fun cute fun mascot boy forever. Like he has to be like a character. <laughs> but like Dan is constantly putting him in and like it is for his protection. Dan's not going to leave him on the razor crest. He knows that doesn't work cuz Grogu will just follow him. Yeah. But I just especially the line act too, where Cobb's like, you're going to kill me in front of your kid? And Din goes, he's seen worse. Like that just really stands out to me. But this was the first instance when Gore was like, this is no place for a child. What are you doing? (laughs) I actually think it's more interesting and funny that Gore is after the Beskar and not Grogu when he was like this high value item that everybody knew about in season one. And like, like, he completely ignores Grogu to go for the Beskar, which I... I, I think is a little interesting and funny and wondering if maybe that I, I guess grief kept his word because grief cargo is like, if you help me, Mando, I'll erase your bounty and like let you protect the kid. And so that, I guess that tells me that grief kept kept his word, but it's never actually really stated, you know? Yeah. Uh, my next note is we mo- need more wrestling in Star Wars because I love that table smash. <laughs> Where the Gamorrean guard just jumps out of the ring and lands on the table. Yeah.
1: Not even I, wrestling, just wrestling moves here and there.
0: Hell yeah. I need, like, so much more of that. It was great. Um, I wrote, Den is still the best balance of character. Absolutely badass after walking straight into a trap like the dumb himbo he is. Yeah. And maybe he knew it was a trap and he was just like, I can take all these guys and then get time to spring
1: the trap. Yep.
0: Yeah. Like he could have been the trap springing the trap, but he just comes off as a little dumb and we'll always come back to that because.
1: Well, his- it wasn't the most ingenious plot. He had his uh, what whatever he had, his rockets, you know. He, so he was just like, "I'm going Yeah, uh, he probably went in there and he was like, "One, Okay. <laughs> I have enough.
0: I have enough. He'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, the last kind of notes I have are around Peli, and Peli and her droids. Um, in big all caps letters, I wrote, "I freaking love Pelly Moto." I still do. She's my I love her. She's one of my favorite characters. She's she's probably my my favorite character, slightly above Mayfeld, but Mayfeld's the name.
1: Mayfeld. That's yes, thank you. It was but driving me nuts. But I think Mayfeld
0: nuts. is is has more nuance and is deeply deeper written. Like it's a toss up between Pelly and Mayfeld, which are my favorite characters in the Mandovers. Um and just I just
1: this, had a th- I just had a thought huh. with his rockets. Do you think when he was coming in and talking to the guy? all the while like as he's looking through his helmet he was just picking out like i don't know how many rockets it fires at those same time so let's say 12. and he picks out the 12 guys that he knows are going to be closest and are the most threatening and like pre program because it doesn't shoot it doesn't shoot uh david koresh so do you think he just sort of likes i i bet he went in and just sort of programmed programmed that and then waited for the moment to take out all the people that were in it
0: and i have I have no idea how Mandalorian technology works.
1: That's that's what I think. That's what I'm thinking.
0: Um, but hey!
1: just zoom tight.
0: Thank you. Um, there's just like a lot of little things with Pelly that just make her wonderful. Like she remembers that he doesn't like droids. And that's just a nice note. But it's immediately followed up with Den saying, No, your droids can work on my ship. And that it's such a small scene, but it really shows the impact that IG11 had on Din in the season one finale because IG11 went out of his way to save Din's life twice and sacrificed himself. And it it's that it's so subtle, but like in the first season
1: well they had a little arc where he talked he talked the robot out of killing himself and then the robot talked him out of basically killing, you know, letting him, sacrificing himself. So they, they had a little arc, and he, so he had a little feels with the robot, you know?
0: Yeah, and through, like, the the lens of, like, Pelly's droids, he wouldn't even let Pelly's droids anywhere near the Razor Crest in season one. Like, he shot at them. And now he's like, yeah, give her a once-over. And it, it's, it's just a little scene, but it, it, it's just a nice little, like, step showing Din's growth.
1: Well, and I also think, I also think, he definitely grew. I also think she did a little passive aggressive, like her talking to the droids were also was also talking to, to Din and just being like, you know, I know you don't like droids, but come on, you know, have mercy on these di- dipshits, you know, basically, and also, you know, just remember you're here where I have droids. I know you don't like droids. And, and you know, and, and she just sort of did it by chiding the droids, but just nice and loudly right by him, sort of looking more his direction <laughs> than anything yeah.
0: else. She I mean, does that's...
1: that a lot, you know. She does that a lot. She's just sort of... She's got that very aggressive, you know, um, sort of presentation. Yeah. But it's, I... it's like a flustered flurry. It, it, it seems sort of like... Um, ditzy but it's it's not she's completely you know dominating and working the situation in her space you know
0: absolutely and that's part of the reason why i like pelly like she's completely a comedic character but like she is one of jen's best allies and she's getting to know him and she's starting to pick up his mannerisms and she's also in turn that means that she can push him and she does okay. and it and- helps.
1: And with a guy, you know, with a guy like a Mandalorian like that, you know, try to remember as much as you can because you can't just you can't just pick shit up by like, you know, reading their face or anything. So you got to sort of whatever you can glean out of them. You have to get it and, and remember it. Otherwise, they're just, you know, they they might as well be a robot, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. But that's all I have for act one. It was the, the act that I had the least amount of notes for. Me too. <laughs> All right. Well, are you ready for act two? I'm ready. Act two. So, Din and Grogu go zoom-zooming across the desert for, like, 11 shots. And one of those shots, Din temporarily camps out with some Tuscans, And they have a nice time. There's nothing great. And so the next day, after more zooming shots across the desert, you know, nine more, um, Din finally pulls up into a settlement and it's supposed to be Mos Polgo, which is supposed to be destroyed, but there are people there and they're living there. And he's like, huh, look at this, there's people. Hmm, why is it not on the map? So Dan rolls up into the cantina and he meets Tanti, the owner, and he's like, hey, person, is there a Mando here? And probably my favorite joke, Tanti's like, well, what does he look like? And Dan says he looks like me. The man wearing the helmet, <laughs> and I kind of wish Tonti was just like, "So, do you have blue eyes? <laughs> like, what's going on? I don't know what you look like." There was a missed opportunity for a joke there that they could have done. But anyway, Tonti is like, "Yeah, you kind of look like the marshal, that guy standing in the door." And then turns, and the music swells, and there, and like, there's flowers blooming in the sand, and like little pink filters come down on the edges. And it's Cobb Van. And he's wearing Boba Fett's armor. And all the book fans rejoice because a book character is now in live action. And everyone's like, woohoo! Hooray Aftermath, I guess. I haven't read Aftermath. (laughs) And Cobb is like, sup? Welcome to town. You want a drink? And Den's like, sure? (laughs) I guess? Beautiful man? And Cobb gets a drink, and he sits down, and then he immediately takes off his helmet. And Den is like, whoa, whoa, you took your helmet off. What the hell? You can do that? Oh, my God. Uh, 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 oh, no. Oh, God, he's hot. I, he's hot. <laughs> and Dan realizes, though, that Cobb is not a hashtag real Mandalorian. And you all should know in my notes but oh no, he's hot, is bold and underlined in my notes. And Cobb sits back and he's like, yeah, I'm not a real Mandalorian, but I am the Marshal of Mos, of Mos And Din's like, I don't care about any of that. Give me your armor. And it's tense. And, and Cobb's like, are you going to kill me for this armor? And Din's like, if I must, but I hope not, because you're beautiful, Timothy Oliphant. And Timothy, Timothy, t- Cobb stands up and he puts his hand on his blaster and it's tense and a shootout is building and the music is dramatic. Chris, please add some dramatic music here. And they're looking at each other and they're sizing each other up. and They're giving each other a look up and down and they're thinking about bedroom eyes. And it's really just it's so tense. But thankfully for all the Den Cobb shippers out there. A very timely arrival of a crate dragon shows up. And the crate dragon's coming in, and he's just like, Hi everyone! I'm an innocent creature. And I'm just on a lunch run. Hello! Oops, oh, sorry, I bumped into your house. Oops, oh, sorry, my hip hit your car. I'm just looking for some lunch. Hey, look a bantha! Mmm, I love banthas. I'm gonna eat it. Ow! Oh, that was a lovely lunch, everybody. Okay, I'm gonna go now. Bye. Hope no one comes to mercilessly slaughter me in Act 3. Bye. And then the great Dragon leaves. (laughs) And Cobb's like, and poor Din's just like, what the fuck just happened? (laughs) And as the town rebuilds, Cobb explains that he's, yes, he's not a Mando. But he uses the Mandalorian armor to protect Most Palgo, because the Crate Dragon is a jerk. But he can, And he can defend the town against bandits and Tusken Raiders, but the crate Dragon, that darn nice creature, is just a little bit too much for him. So he makes a deal with Den. If Den helps him kill the Crate Dragon, Cobb Vanth will give him the Mando armor. And they're like, yeah, that'll be fine. Den's like, yes, please, just take, take armor off so I can see more of you? so they go to head out and they want to go find the dragon's den and during this drive with 12 shots across the desert den get uh, Cobb gives his backstory because apparently the Empire pulled out a Tatooine and then bandits came and Cobb was like oh no and the weak way was like oh no and Cobb fled his town and ran into the desert and he almost died in the desert like Darth Maul and he was picked up by Jawas because the Jawas didn't come from all they just left him in the dirt and who got Maul's lightsaber? Did Obi-Wan just leave the lightsaber in the desert? I'm just realizing this now. The um, uh, Jawas found Cobb Vanth, and they nursed him back to health, and they're all like, you're beautiful. And he's like, I know, I'm Cobb Vanth. And... While he is drinking water, he sees Boba Fett's armor and he buys it off the Jawas. And then Cobb came back and liberated Moss Pelgo from the bandits, and everyone rejoiced. And he became the leader ever since because he's the marshal, and everybody likes him. Yay! Anyway, they go to a rocky area, and and Den's like, "Please tell me more stories about your life." <laughs> oh, teehee. <tiki. laughs> and the boyfriends, uh, as they're going through this rocky area, uh, hear a roar and they stop suddenly. They pull their blasters out and it's tense. And you know what comes out of the rocks? Spiky doggos. Spiky dogs come out. And Din is like, oh my god, puppies. And Din runs at the puppies and Cobb's like, don't, don't, okay, he's petting the puppies. And Din's just like, who's a good doggo? Who's a good boy? You're a good boy. And the, and the spiky dogs are like, I'm a good boy. And their entire butt wiggles and he's like, yeah, you're a really good boy. And Cobb is just like, I'm confused, but he's good with dogs, so I'm also turned on. Okay. <laughs> And then more Tuskins come out too, and the Tuskins are like, "Hey, what's up? What are you doing here?" And Den's like, "Hey, we want to kill the crate dragon." And the Tuskins are like, "Cool, we want to kill the crate dragon. It's an innocent creature. Let's go murder it." And Den and Den's like, "Cool." So then they camp more because they camp. It's like it's like it's like the seventh book of Harry Potter. There's a lot of camping. And they're all discussing how to kill the crate dragon. And as they hash out the details, um, Cobb is like, I don't want to work with them, I'm Tuscan racist. And the Tuscans are like, You're a jerk, accept our water. And And Cobb's like, No, you killed our people. And the Tuscans are like, You invaded us first. And Den is like, everyone shut up! And he like sets off his flamethrower and makes Charles really mad at it. Because Charles, our listener, hates flamethrowers in Star Wars. It's fun. Um, He could do an entire episode on flamethrowers and I would listen to that rant. Um, And he's like, everyone sit down and shut up. And Cob make out with me later. And shut up, everybody. How are we going to help like kill the dragon if we kill ourselves first? None more of this nonsense. And, and Cobb Vanth and the, the Tuscans are like, fine, we're all going to bed. And in the morning, we'll head out and look for a crate Dragon. What'd you think of Act 2?
1: I like it. I like it. Um, just some shallow notes. I like Grogu uh, is basically like a dog with its head out the car window when he's riding on the, the speeder bike.
0: Grogu's one mode in this episode is be cute. He doesn't but- actually do anything.
1: Although there's one part where, where they're having the standoff and he looks in the window and it totally like that windows up off the ground. So it totally looks like Grogu is just sort of like a puppet on the end of someone's arm that they stuck up. And, you know, like those old puppet shows where the host would be like walking around in the house and come up to the window and be like, oh, hi, Mr. Owl. And Mr. Owl would just pop up in the window.
0: Like how That's many what, looks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop?
1: Yes, it totally looked like that. All right, so let's get to this uh, di- this homoerotic dialogue that's just over the top. That oh, you were, it's You're so you're paraphr- you para- so you paraphr- you paraphrasing it. You're like, so we're just gonna, you know, so we're just gonna do, you know, you're just gonna kill me in front of the kid. That's not the line. The line he goes, take it off, or I will. And he's like, he in front of the kid and he's like, it's seen worse and it goes on and they're just like, we're gonna do this right here, you know it's all all through the whole thing and and then of course on this they're speeder riding their speeder bikes side by side <laughs> Um uh mother another minor note that bantha would have like freaked out and run just from the, they would have known what one of those things were or, and like with those vibrations going through town that bantha's just standing there like what's going on why it's shaking oh well nothing to worry about maybe
0: it was like like oh it's like sitting on a dryer this is nice
1: <laughs> yeah Sorry. But there's there's just in this part they they reference like the, that the crate Dragon is sort of a little bit like Tremors and Dune. And at the same time, it's one of the best representations of a worm moving under the sand, especially the sound. They, they get a good sound that sounds like crunchy water. It, it has the same dynamics as, as something moving through the water, but it's with like crunchy sand and it sounds really good. So they got Tremors and Dune, and then the Mando basically does have you have you seen Jaws? There's a scene in Jaws where the town is meeting, you know, to what are we gonna do about this shark that's eating all the tourists? And like they're bah, 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 arguing about it, and old man Quint, who ha who's gonna lead the mission to catch the shark, runs his fingers down the chalkboard and goes, I know what we gotta do to catch your shark. And the Mando totally does. He uh, a Quint. He's not quite as dramatic as Quint, but he does a like, all right, everybody. This is what we have to do. You know, we have to work together, everybody. Um, and I my like only
0: how un- how you ask? Have you seen Jaws? Assume I have not, and just went on going because I don't watch movies.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> Quint's just gnarly, gnarly old guy. He's an old ship captain that rents out his ship to for tourists to fish off of. And he just he's just a obviously like alcoholic, unpleasant, old local. And yeah, he's just like, I've seen a shark the size of, you know, the Chrysler building and then gives gives him a, a talk and like what we got to do is do this and basically just like shuts the whole place, shuts everybody up and gets them all on on the same page. My only other note is this is something that happens in stuff all the time, and it always cracks me up is these two just these two riding out to where they got to go on their speeders and just chatting in a conversation like you and I are talking right now. Well, then let me let me give you my flashback story, Mendo, a blah, 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 blah. You know, these things have he's got a pod racer engine. Those things are like you would be, you know, it's like two guys on motorcycles. You you don't just like pull up to each beside each other on your motorcycles and have a conversation while you're driving. You'd be you, it's like yeah. we should pull over what we should pull over, you know, it would be something the, like that. You know, the
0: only time I've ever seen it portrayed really well was the motorcycle episode of King of the Hill where Peggy and Hank are not having a real conversation because they keep mishearing each other
1: yeah yeah that's, the that's, only that's time. how it really that's how it really is it's like i I mean like for the the real like like the real Peggy hill and, and Hank Hill now they have like um helmets with little mics in them so they can communicate on long distance drives and stuff like that so they can podcast to each other
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would listen to Hank Hill's podcast
1: that would, oh, hank God. Hank and Peggy Pe- Peggy Hill's podcast would be much more interesting than H- Hank's because she's a super egomaniac. So she would do, Hank Hill would have a limited amount of like topics, but Peggy would talk about anything and just, yeah, it would, oh, be, yeah. It would be vastly uh, entertaining. Let, but, let
0: me all tell you about my brown Betty.
1: <laughs> not as entertaining as Dale Gribble's podcast. Oh,
0: Dale's if Gribble all, podcast it, would be amazing. It, I mean, it's essentially yeah. Alex Jones, but not horrible. <laughs> yeah,
1: but he's not Alex Jones, but he's a he's of the conspiratorial mindset. So it would be yeah, it would be it would be great. But I,
0: somebody did somebody did an animation of King of the Hill in Lord of the Rings. And the best part was Boonhauer was Gollum.
1: Oh, Jesus. <laughs>
0: it was just like, I was uh, my, my, my precious. My, 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 my. Get a mortar. My, 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 my precious. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> uh, I would watch an entire Kick of the Hill special of them in Lord of the Rings.
1: Ding dang, tricky, tricksy hobbits. <laughs>
0: uh... Hobbitses. I, if I remember correctly, Dell was Boromir, and he was like, "You can't get into Mordor." <laughs> I miss King of the Hill all the time.
1: Who is Bobby?
0: Bobby was not in the short. It was about thirty seconds long, and they only had like a few of the scenes. Oh,
1: Bobby should have been like Frodo. Come on.
0: Hank was Frodo.
1: Samwise. But... Samwise.
0: Oh, he'd make such a good... Dang it, Bobby, carry me up this mountain. Exactly. <laughs> no, Hank was Frodo, and the scene they had was the ring falling towards him, and he was going, blah! <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: I'll
0: have to see if I can dig it up and find it Oh, for you. God,
1: so that would make Cotton Bilbo.
0: <laughs> the dragons blew off my shins. Yeah. Oh, my God, that'd be horrible ah <laughs> uh, anyway oh mando 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 uh <laughs> did you have any other notes
1: no maybe some days years from now we'll do a king of the hill podcast
0: oh i oh they would I be would...
1: fun they would be fun i'm sure a lot of people have done them but it would be fun
0: we'd probably It's so long we'd probably have to do like two or three episodes at oh, a time oh
1: my god yeah you, yeah or we just pick and choose. just pick random episodes and have people recommend ones and stuff like that because yeah it's like the simpsons you know that would be i'm not i'm not biting off that that would be for the rest of our lives probably yeah
0: yeah (laughs) if you got if we ever run out of star wars content to do for commentaries and you would like us to do king of the hill episodes let us know in the comments
1: yeah yeah
0: (laughs) because i that's
1: a that's a safe promise to make
0: yep yep Um, are there... No, there are no Star Wars episodes of King of the Hill, is there?
1: Not that I know of.
0: No, no.
1: I'm sure there was maybe a joke here and there, but...
0: You know what we haven't done for commentaries? And one I'd be totally on board with, and the other one I'm eh on? The Robot Chicken specials.
1: Oh, yeah, I would do those. Yeah.
0: And then the one I'm eh on is the Family Guy, Star Wars.
1: Oh, well, there's only what, like two or three of those, too. So yeah, not...
0: yeah, I-, I like the robotic ones better.
1: They they are technically. Huh. Technically, some someday we have to do hardware wars. It's hardware short. wars. <sighs> hope you've never seen hardware wars.
0: No, tell me.
1: Oh hope, oh hope, <laughs> what a what a great thing Hardware Wars was the first parody of Star Wars. And it was this this guy made it like it's it's a homemade effort, but it's really amazing. And it's I think maybe like eight minutes seven or eight minutes long. It's really short. And it made it it made its way around. this is how I saw it the first time in my local library in the basement, um, watching a bunch of horror movies on Halloween, but they had hardware wars It made its way through the library system as a 16 millimeter film. And everybody was like, this is a star Wars parody and it's all, all the spaceships are like, are, are like irons and, you know, and, uh, mixers and stuff like that. And, uh, <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi's name, named Augie Bendagi. And, uh, the 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 greatest gag in in the whole thing is oh my god
0: it, it has a puppet
1: and introducing chinchilla the wookie monster and they just have a brown cookie monster basically playing chewbacca and like so all the scenes he's just on the side like <laughs> Oh, it's
0: on YouTube. I'm looking at
1: it now. And there's a special. They they at when the Star Wars special edition came out, they went back and did a special edition of, of uh, of Hardware Wars. Yeah, Hardware Wars got hardcore referenced in the Last Jedi. That was one of my great. I'm like, did they remember when they get down in the laundry room and you see the, uh, the it looks like a star destroyer coming down, but it's just a big iron. Oh yeah. iron a uniform that's a total reference to hardware wars that was oh my goodness. i saw it and i'm like did i just see a hardware wars reference and then i went on the internet and it turned out that yes i did that 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 was a definite hardware wars reference oh that's
0: awesome
1: so yeah, that, that there's some homework for you. There's eight minutes of homework for you.
0: I, I looked it up. It's thirteen minutes on YouTube.
1: Thirteen minutes long. It's well worth it's well worth your time. It's it's really dumb. It's it's dumb. It's it's gloriously dumb and and done at a, a zero budget. You know, homemade effort. But it's it, it, he did a good job. He has some film skills, so it's not like you know total garbage. It's it's it, yeah. It's it's lasted. It's of the test of time and it ended up after that it ended up you'd see it on hbo in between movies a lot of times he did a close encounter like close encounters of the nerd kind or something too at some point as a follow-up ha! Uh. <sighs>
0: anyway did you have any other notes
1: i did not all
0: right so as for my notes um my my two minor ones um the first one is I just really like Tonti. I know he's a minor character and he's like the weak way guy. And he does a lot more in Book of Boba Fett, but I just think he's cool. I think he's a cool little character. Uh, He plays his role well. He's supposed to be like the bar owner and stuff like that. He's a total
1: bar owner in a, in a, in a Western movie. And he does the classic thing of a lot of acting with his eyes, a lot of sitting in the background and like, Looking from one character to another, looking to looking for an exit, <laughs> looking down beneath the bar. It, it's just classic.
0: Yeah. And um we don't often get to see live action weekways, and his costume and his makeup are fantastic. Yeah. Like he looks great. Um, so it, it's just a he's a minor character, but I like whenever Tanti shows up, I'm just like, ah, like he's just like he's like a little Gluff shadow of mine. I'm just like, ah, that guy, I love him. Um uh, like I said, not very deep, but I just, I, whenever he shows up, I'm just like, yeah, yeah. Um, I adore Cobb Vant. He's such a good addition to the cast. Um, He's so great. Um, I, I have a lot more, like, Cobb Vant notes, like, actually diving into his character in Act 3 um, But just here, like, he has such a good impact. I... He looks so silly wearing Boba's armor, though. He looks like a kid in a Halloween costume. But
1: that's okay. That fits. That that tracks yeah, with it. You know? It does. It when does. You see like, him, not when a you criticism.
0: See,
1: <laughs> when you see him in it at first, you're like, I mean, it's obviously Boba Fett's armor. And then when they, they slam it home, when he takes the helmet off and you see the dent in the top of it. Uh, but you're like, that's not Boba Fett in that that armor. Especially after seeing Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just like, like look at the skinny guy in the fat guy suit. But it like, yeah, he does not look at home in it. In it and you can tell, and I'm sure they did that. Per- but he's very good at at wearing it while not looking at home and still looking fairly badass. And it's still, you oh, know, yeah.
0: that's not a criticism. I, I think someone yeah. described him as it's cold on Halloween. So someone's mom put their sweater under their
1: costume. Yeah, it wasn't Which made like, for him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's what I, I I love about that scene, because but yeah, it's. I love Cobb Band, but Like, he's such a good addition, and I'm glad he's been sticking around for a while. And I must say, Brian from Pink Milk, been a guest on our show before he was a guest on our Trace and Rafa episode, um, he's to blame. For my, for me, falling in love with Den Cop. because I thought they were great, and I was like, "Yeah, these are homoerotic," but like to make them a ship, and like his obsession over them has rubbed off on me, and it gives Ew. my Mando Mara ship a big run for its money because this episode is very gay. It is so gay. <laughs> and,
1: it's I like I don't know like I don't know if gay is I think homoerotic is better the the word cuz it it's not like when i think this episode end. is gay i think more flamboyant sort of thing this is more just like this is more like broke back mountain you know two two men's men sizing each other up sizing Still each other gay. up I, I might have to kill you but first take off your uh your armor there partner and Still you know gay. it's and it's all it's all masked under tension and stuff like that but like if, you know
0: if, if you want to, like, have, like, a long, great, wonderful listen that I was so proudly a part of for, like, four, like three or four episodes, um, way, way, way a few years ago, like, before the pandemic, even, um, Pink Milk had a Mandalorian roundtable. No, it had to be during the pandemic, because that was 2020. Um, Pink Milk had a Mandalorian roundtable that I was a part of. And we were talking about how this was a very queer-coded show, and Den was very queer-coded. Um, and then you get this episode. It's just like here's your boyfriend, Dan, and there's like they don't even try to hide it. Like it, it's just it made the jump from being like queer coding to pretty sure he's gay. (laughs) And I, I love my Mandomero ship. Like, well, because
1: I mean, I mean, he's kind of he's probably like, like I don't even like I'm not even gonna say in in Star Wars universe that somebody would be like bisexual. Because it seems more like they're just like it's leans more towards pansexuality because you're in a whole galaxy full of, you know, so like Earth terms are just dealing with just like, you know, sentient, intelligent humans because that's all we got like (laughs) going on here. But he had, um, what's her name? Uh, Oh, that's right. Omero, right? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So he's he uh, there. I mean, there was a more, you know, overt vibe there. There was they were vibing more overtly because it was like "stay with me," you know, type of thing. But yeah, yeah, equal, equal, equal tension though <laughs> in this episode and in, in that episode. So, yeah,
0: absolutely. I, I, I'm, I'm. He's a himbo. Out. He is, he is. <laughs> and I'm here for the end game of Cobb, Omera, Dan, Grogu, and um, oh, what's Omera's kid's name? Winter. Just like settling down together as a little family. And I'm like, yep, I'll take it. <laughs> but I'll, I'll have a lot more Cobb Vant notes in Act Three. Um, so I, I just want to touch back. This is kind of like a big thing around Cobb Vant, though, but it's more about like Cobb's appearance than the actual character. We talked a little bit about this in Bad Batch when it came up with Kanan or in the Siege of Mandalore in Clone Wars. But I think it's just good to touch on this point again. Um, it's okay that they changed Aftermath a little bit for the, this episode. Because it does not line up with Aftermath. They there There's actually a scene in Aftermath where Mos Pelgo, the people of Mos Pelgo, are raising a hutlet like a baby hut because they want to raise it to like fill the power void and like it's not in the episode. And, and I think that's fine because, um, Star Wars maybe he got
1: ate by the crate dragon.
0: Maybe. Um, maybe Star it was Wars, in
1: the school with the other kids.
0: I have a note about the school. <laughs> <laughs> I have a note about the school. Cause that line always makes me laugh. Um, but like Star Wars explain uh, the wonderful Alex Damon, um, Constantly describe Star Wars media as a funnel. And I think it's a very good way of looking at it. So like when you have the funnel, the the funnel itself is audience members. So the most people watch is the, the movies and then probably the live action shows, then animation, and then probably books and comics and audio dramas. And it like funnels down and like that's your fandom Probably
1: funnel. with co- going comics, books, audio dramas in that yeah. order. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um
1: so books are pretty are next to the end.
0: <laughs> actually though I will say a lot of the book readers also read the comics. It's it's a, I would say yeah, probably yeah. about 60/40. And even then like a lot of, like it's 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 fairly even I would say. Um but that that's the Star Wars funnel. And so like the most people will see is going to be and we're talking about like general people, not like deep diving super fans like us. Um most people are going to see the live action so this was probably a lot of people's first introduction to Cobb Vanth and being a tv show they can't have stuff like a random hutlet in an in the in the town because they would have to explain the hutlet you know um and they'd so it's have, have to
1: yeah. animate the hutlet
0: yeah they'd have to make
1: it they'd have to make it into a element of the story if you're gonna put something like that into a Exactly. And this is already like
0: a 55-minute episode. Right, right. And so the point I'm making is it's not bad when minor things in Star Wars gets changed. Star Wars is essentially a mythology. And depending on who's telling the story, the POV is going to change. So the story is going to slightly change. And I'm okay with this. I'm okay when minor things get changed like this. Because to use the example of Kanan and Bad Batch, the story was essentially the same in Bad Batch as it was in Kanan The Last Padawan. Yes, Details were different. The the Bad Batch were not in the comic because they didn't exist then. Um and like it was at nighttime, Bad Batch happened to the day. It was like it was just, uh, it was like very minor things, but the gist of Kanan's story was still there. The things that I take blatant like like the things I take issue with when they change stuff is like changing like essential characters. Like they changed Kanan's skin color. There's no excuse for that. So that's where I get mad at stuff. But I'm not going to get mad with like minor things in canon that change. Like they changed the Siege of Mandalore from the Ahsoka novel because E.K. Johnson didn't know the events of the Siege of Mandalore. So when she referenced right. them in the Siege and the Ahsoka novel, she did the best she could with the notes that Lucasfilm gave her, which were very few. She's talked about that at Dragon Con, how they essentially gave her no notes and were like, these are the things you can't do. Than telling you the things she could, mm-hmm. and so it's it's fine if like minor things, and I think here with Cobb, his story is relatively the same. There, yeah, some minor details have changed, but the beats are still there, and I think that's fine. It's mythology; it's going to change, you know. How take a story like the Odyssey, or, or actually just take Greek gods in general. Greek gods. There's they have five different origin stories and then they get to the Romans and then they have four more origin stories. Like they change. And Star Wars kind of works in this fashion because it's a mythology and a fantasy. It's not fact.
1: Oh, totally agree. You gotta agree or you'll go insane.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I had those days where I'm just like everything's not lighting up, and then I was like, you know what? It's it's not going to. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. more giving myself grief than anything else. Um and the last thing I wanted to talk about was the Tuscans. Um, we, we talked a little bit in season one about them when they showed up for the first time. And something that this episode and this show and then later on in the book of Boba Fett does so well is like just really fleshing them out and showing their culture and showing them in a different light. Because before... Season one of Mando, they were always like the monsters that lived in the desert that killed Anakin's mom. And they, and so it goes back to that point of view. So we had always been presented to them, presented uh, that they were a certain way. And something that the book of Boba Fett and Mando does so well is showing them... In a new perspective, from their point of view, they're the ones getting invaded by everybody else. They were the original settlers. They're not monsters. They have community, and they just want their land that is theirs. And I, I give a lot of crap to Mando, I know, but everything with the Tuscans is so good. It's so nuanced. Like like the argument when they uh, they have when they're camping, um den is like they they say the people of moss pelgo steals their water something that the people of moss pelgo probably don't think too much about and they need water to survive but in turn it hurts the tuscans so therefore because the people of moss pelgo invaded them essentially the tuscans retaliated and both the people of Mos pelgo and the tuscans both kill each other to survive but, and it makes it a very, like, them-or-us story when both sides essentially want the same thing. They just want to live in peace and do their thing. But because they're fighting over these resources and not working together, they are essentially killing each other. And what unites them is the common enemy of the crate Dragon. And pe- different people uniting to fight a common enemy is a very Star Wars story. And it's, it's essentially what, like, the re- all the rebels coming together from different places... Is a very Star Wars story. And it's not so, the
1: greatest PETA story ever, but. You know. Yeah.
0: The greatest what story? PETA. <gasps> like PETA. the. People like, for the
1: ethical treatment of animals.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, PETA sucks. They're horrible people, so. But. I thought you said penis story. It's not the greatest it's, penis story.
1: No, that's yeah, that's not the crate. Well, the crate dragon is kind of penis-like. It is a penis story, and yeah, it's the penis story of Din and Cobb.
0: They gotta, they gotta conquer the crate dragon. Yes, they do. You want to see my crate dragon? <laughs>
1: yes, they do. They might have to get right up inside it.
0: So, but like uh, to to finish off with the dust ones, like. This is some like groundbreaking stuff that they're doing with the Tuskins, and as much as I'm not the biggest fan of Book of Boba Fett, the work they did with the with the Tuskins and this show and that one and these three three seasons of storytelling minus killing them, which is bullshit, and we'll get to that with Book of Boba Fett because there was no fucking reason to kill the Tuskins other than man pain. Um, it's just a lot of really good stuff, and anytime the Tuskins are on screen in Mando or Book of Bubba Fett, like it's just the best moments of the show. It, it's some of, and it's so fresh, and the storytelling is great.
1: Yeah, it's it's fresh, but it's really a, a collection of stuff that's been done before, like in westerns. And, yeah, it's
0: very and much and a like Western, A Man
1: really. Called Horse, uh, movies about you know people getting adopted by the American Indians. Or the Native Americans and and stuff like that, but it's fresh because it is seamlessly put into a Star Wars context. Just just per- works perfectly, so it's it's great. It's it makes all that stuff new again, and it's fun to watch.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's something that they do so well in these TV shows. they, they do it all the time in animation, but it, it's something that like the medium of television allows them to do you wouldn't get all this nuanced stuff in a star wars movie but like like take for example like click clack from rebels click clack is a geonosian all throughout clone wars they're the enemy in the prequel movies they're the enemies they're just bugs they're evil bugs trying to kill everybody and then we get to click clack and rebels and he's the last of his kind and he's just this little guy who just wants to save his people and he has the last egg that's going to save his race and here's Saul Guerrero wanting to exterminate him and kill him and essentially finishing the genocide that the, the Empire started. So the drama is taking this character who was always portrayed as an enemy and making him sympathetic and a good guy. Someone for Kanan, Ezra, and Rex to protect from Saul Guerrero, who's supposedly a good guy. <laughs> and so like, I think that's something that Star Wars television does really well is the 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 medium gives us time we have time to explore these ideas and these new the these nuanced storytelling and these characters and it's really great that we have so much star wars television to do so because we would not get this this kind of storytelling with the tuscans in a movie and if we did it would be very short and it would probably be if this was a movie It, it would just be the scene of I mean, they could, but they
1: wouldn't. They could, but I don't think they'd be adventuresome enough to do this, to do, like, a full movie of, like, somebody going native with the Tuscans. But they could. (laughs) They could, but I I think if,
0: if at most, if we got uh, any of these scenes, it would be, like, in season one where, like, Toro and Dan ran into the Tuscans and we saw their sign language. That would probably be the most that we would get. And the fact that we have three seasons really exploring their culture is really great. And its I, I love this kind of storytelling, and I love Star Wars in the medium of television. Anyway, you, Do you want
1: activity? to crate, crate this dragon up?
0: Oh, God. About to, I should take a sip. We're about to get super gay. Gayer than normal. Ha, <laughs> you ready?
1: <laughs> All right.
0: Act three. Wrap it up. So after a tense camp camping night with the Tuscans and Den wonders if Cobb's thinking about him over in his tent, the group heads out to check out the Crape Dragon's lair. And Den talks Cobb through the Tuscans' methods, because they watch as the Tuscans feed the crepe drag dragon to keep it sleeping. And Den's like, Yeah, the Tuscans have been dealing with the- this dragon for like generations. We need their expertise. They're really smart. And so they watch a Tuscan lead out a Bantha, and the crate is like, Oh, hi, guys! Is that a free meal? You know, I had a whole Bantha earlier in the episode. I think I'm going to eat lightly, and it's the Tuscan. And they're all like, Oh, uh, all right, well, that, that didn't work out well. So after they watch a Tuscan die, um, Din and Cobb and the other Tuscan sit together and they make a plan. And... They make a model of the Tuscan dragon, the Tuscan dragon, the great dragon. And my favorite moment is like, Cobb's, oh shit, it's really big. <laughs> Where he's just like, that's not to scale. And then like, no, that's to scale. And Cobb has this look on his face of like, holy shit, what are we doing? And so essentially what happens is then like, we got a plan. We're going to get reinforcements. And Cobb is like, awesome. Where are we going to get them from? And he's like, I've your people to help us. Dins, like, and, and, and Cobb's like, what, what now? They're offering up my people? They're not gonna like that. And hey, guess what? They don't like that. <laughs> the people of Maz palco do not want to fight a great Dragon, and they do not want to help the Tuscans. But Cobb is like, my good people, me and my new boyfriend, Din uh, Dinjarin over here, we have a plan about killing the crate Dragon. And I know you're gonna lose your shit when we say that we're working with the Tuskens, but we have a deal with them and it's great. Because if we help them kill the dragon, they will stop raiding us until we fire on them first. And the people of Mos Pelgar are like, all right, we can do that. So they start preparing to kill the dragon and it's tense because the Tuscans show up and they're all just kind of looking at each other and the Tuskens are looking at them And they're all just like, all right, I guess we'll help each other out. And it's kinda there's like some tense moments, like a Tuscan accidentally drops an explosive, does not explode. And the people are like, Oh, that's our moment that we're gonna get mad at you, and it's our opportunity to yell. And cops like, sit the fuck down. It was an accident. You in the background, extra number three with a shovel. There's a guy with a shovel, like, like holding it above his head, ready to beat up a Tuscan. And I always laugh at that guy. Um, he's like, you sit down, extra number three with your shovel. We got to work together, and it's great. And I'm going to protect these Tuscans. And is like, oh, my God, you're so hot right now. <laughs> and all the people in Mos Pelga and all the Tuscans go on their bantha, and they head out. There's a lot of head out, and we have like 12 more scenes of them just walking across the fucking desert. (laughs) A lot of walking across the desert in this one. And they all get to the dragon's lair again, and it's sleeping. So because it's sleeping, they're going to be very quiet and sneaky and set up the attack. And so they dig some trenches to bury explosives, because the plan is to hit the dragon, dragon on its belly, because that's where its soft spot is like a video game. And because that's the soft spot, they gotta lure the dragon out. So they get everything set up, and it's time to fight the dragon. And they call the dragon, and it comes out. And it's a shit show. It is massive, and it is destroying people. It is spraying acid on people. And the whole time, the dragon's like, Why did you wake me up? I'm an innocent creature ow why are you shooting me i'm going to spray you <laughs> and the people are like ah! and the dragon's like oh! and so it's it's going not great and the dragon's like you suck and then they suck even more because they set off the explosives and the dragon's like ow and it falls under the sand and it looks like they won but they didn't because it's all tint, and the dragon pops out of the mountain top. And he's like, I'm gonna get you! (laughs) (laughs) He sprays more acid on them. And Dinkob is just watching, and they're like, Yeah, this is not going very well. This has to be an us plan, because this is not going great. But you know what, Dinkob? A couple that slays crate dragons together, stay together! And they decide to go off and fight the thing! And they fly up like shiny boyfriends in the sun. And they're all like, pew, pew, pew. And Den's like, pew, pew. And Cobb's like, pew, pew, pew. And they're like big googly eyes. And the dragon's like, stop it. <laughs> and so they fly away. I lost my spot. Where am I? There I am. And so they land. And the crate Dragon's coming back out for them. And Den turns to Cobb. He's like, I have a plan. He's like, okay, what's your plan? He's like, I need you to adopt my child. And Cobb's like, I'm sorry, what? Adopt a child? I mean, this is moving kind of fast. I just know you for a few days. I thought, I know we have a thing going on, but I don't know if I'm ready to adopt your child. And Cobb's like, and Din's like, shut up. And he smacks his uh, uh, Cobb Vance, the thing that goes hewing in the sky, rocket pack. And he flies off like an idiot because Din is dumb. Because Den's great plan is to get eaten by the dragon. Himbo. Denjaren's plan is to get eaten by the dragon. And he runs over to a bantha full of bombs. And I just want to make a side note. A bantha full of bombs would be a great band name. And the crate Dragon's like, I'm mad. I'm gonna eat you. And Den's like, yeah, put me in your mouth. And Cobb's like, I will <laughs> I'm still in the air Oh boy. And the Crate Dragon's like, here I come Home. and he Oh boy chomps down on Den and in uh the Bantha full of bombs and Cobb is just like wow I didn't know I was into four Great Ah, guys, dude, if you don't know what Vore is, do not Google it. <laughs>
1: like, oh, man, I thought it was a bantha full of bongs, man.
0: Yeah, yeah, if you don't know what Vore is, don't Google it, unless you're, like, you're, if you're you want to research off. kinks. Yeah, it's it's a kink. You're better off. We are not here to kink shame, people. It's not my kink. And if it's your kink, totally cool. Leave us a comment. If it's your kink.
1: You can check out the Eat It and Beat It episode on Vore
0: yeah yeah Chris's podcast go check it out um, anyway so, well, so, so, so <laughs> the the crate dragon eats din and the bantha and din s- zooms out of its mouth and he blows up the crate dragon and the crate dragon is dead and he's just like you guys suck and he falls over and din pops out of the carcass like a slimy daisy and he lands and he looks over and like din is not Den. Cobb Vanth is like sitting on the ground, just staring at him, and the wind's blowing through his hair, and they're just looking at each other, and it's, it's, it's homoerotic. It, it really is. They are just madly in love, making googly eyes at each other, and the day is won. They beat the dragon, and as the Tuscans are getting meat from the creature and they celebrate finding a pearl in the dragon, Cobb comes over and hands the Mando armor to Den, and Den is like, "Awesome, you can strip for me any day." Cobb is like, what? And Den's like, what? Nothing. I don't want you to strip. Don't be my boyfriend. I don't like you anymore. I'm just going to get on my bike now. Come on, Grogu. We got to go back to Peli. You know, Peli, our girlfriend? She's not my beard. I promise you she's not my beard. Anyway, we'll see you in Book of Boba Fett. Cobb Vanth, you're beautiful. Go oh, look at me. And Den drives away like, ah. And Grogu looks at Den like, Dad, that was so geeky. You're such a nerd. He's like, shut up, son. That's going to be your future father.
1: <laughs> ah!
0: And as Dan drives off into the sunset, the shop pans over, and there is the man, the legend, the mystery himself, Boba Fett. And Boba Fett watches him drive by, and he turns to the camera, and he puts on his sunglasses, and he goes, I'm back, bitches. And the credits roll. Ah! Can I say my first note? It's so minor. Sure. Not the school.
1: Think of the children.
0: Think of the children. I that that You could tell he
1: was. You could tell he was like a little disingenuous about that one, but he's just like, I just gotta like, I gotta stick this, stick the ending on this one.
0: It's such a clear. And he might
1: even attack the the school. school.
0: It's so cliche, and it makes me laugh yeah. every time because their immediate re- reaction is, oh, "Not the yeah. baby." Yeah, it's it's it just every time it's just like not the school. <laughs>
1: not the not the hutlet.
0: <laughs> the no, There are no children in this town. Who's the kid? The hutlet.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, what are your what are your notes, Chris?
1: Um there's a second jaws reference. This one's a visual one and it's when uh, Cobb sees the the um crate dragon burst out and they do that that push zoom on him where where his face stays in the same place and it's it's a common thing they they use it to great effect in in jaws when the police chief sees a shark in the water where you know the the size of the head stays the same but they're they're pushing they're 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 pushing the camera in but at the same time they're zooming out at the same rate so the background goes all weird focus and the edges of the head will be a little weird but the person said it makes that feeling of someone sort of being like wrapped up into themselves sucked up into themselves and they they use that so that was a neat that was when i was like oh yeah they're definitely uh referencing jaws for this one and it is like jaws they have to the sheriff has to go out and capture it with with a with a couple people he recruits experts he recruits to go hunt down the shark that's picking off the tourists um the rocket flying in this is very nice very nice very nice it's, i always it's, think
0: it's silly right when they take off because right when they take off their little legs kick but once they're in the sky they're cool as hell the, and they, when they're
1: flying around the crate dragon and the explo- the exploding dirt and stuff it looks very yeah, realistic yeah.
0: It's really cool, except for like the two seconds they take off and they kick their little feet, and it always makes me laugh. Not whenever just they them. take off
1: and land. Whenever they take off and land, it's always kind of goofy. But no, like the they ra- cool because
0: they do those like sliding lands. They're really yeah.
1: Cool. Well, when they do that, but like the just like when somebody just lands and starts talking is like bump blah, blah 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 blah. But um, very very nice. Um, my only uh, um. Boy, they really like copied the whole Jawa episode to the point of where there's even a, a pearl Suka <laughs> at the end of it, where they're just like, we got the pearl, you know, it was the same as Suka, you know, ah. very, very similar sort of, sort of thing. It's just, it's, it's really funny that they just repeated the, the, um, Tonto, uh, a creature, uh, a creature that's just doing its thing out of its hole and then murder it. But, it works i have a Uh, I have
0: a thing about that
1: at at the end of it where's all the dead bodies this thing was just like killing off sand people and pretty much only sand people oh Um, one of my
0: notes is wow they sure like sitting in tuscans to be used as cannon fodder don't they
1: yeah yeah for sure
0: now some of the townspeople do get hit with the acid and they all just kind of disintegrate so i don't think there's a lot of bodies to be honest
1: that's not, uh, yeah, there, there should have been body-shaped smears on the grass, something, something, it was weird, it was weird, and also, to be, to be fair, Tuscans don't have faces, so, like, all those people could be actors in this, in the town could be actors that they could use again, whereas a Tuscan, you know, if a Tuscan gets killed, it's like, oh, geez, we can't use that guy again, you know, they could, they could totally use the actor or what you know you know you know what I mean they're they're just they're they're sort of
0: because they're in um, costume they can just yeah yeah
1: yeah they they they, yeah and and they only have so many that town looks like it holds a whole 30 people at best it's more like an encampment seems like um but the only other note I have is there's sort of effectively a sand, sand people theme and this. There's a, just a nice scene of the, and I'm just, it's got, and I'm like, I hope this gets adopted, and you, I'm going to have to pay attention more f- of it for it in uh, Book of Boba Fett. Oh, like
0: but a musical the,
1: theme? Yeah, and it's okay. got little a little bit of elements of, like, Native American music, and a little bit, like, Arabic sound to it. it and it's, uh, you know, like something you would hear in, like, the Sahara or something. It's, it's, it's it's interesting but it's it's a it's a nice nice theme it sort of it it works and i'm just like oh good let's have a sand people theme that isn't just like dunk 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 (laughs) you know so yeah that's all i got for part
0: three um so i've already killed two of my little notes my third little note is dinjarin everybody he gets eaten by a dragon why not because of course he does. <laughs> I love that that's his grand plan of like, I got a plan. Okay. I'm going like, to yeah, we'll get eaten by the dragon. What? Adopt <laughs> my child. Bye. It's so dumb. I, I, like
1: I think it. it was a little quick for him to be like, okay, take care of the kid if I don't come back, you know, sort of he, thing. He, just he like, does
0: say that. He's like, I'm sorry I couldn't explain the plan to you. And Cop is like, that's fine. Like he They, they address it. They address it. Yeah, no, I guess-
1: no. I mean, I think, I don't know if Jin would be so quick just to get the armor that he would risk the kid who is sort of his main thing now, you know, but I guess, I guess he really thinks highly of Cobb Vance. That's, that's about it. Trust him with his kid.
0: I might as well go ahead and do that note. Um, So I'm going to talk about Cobb Vance impact.
1: Oh shit. There it is. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. um, And, and I'm going to be talking seriously, not gay, (laughs) but like, I think, Cobb is definitely the first step into the big theme of this season because we get Cobb here and later we meet Bo-Katan and her mandos and a big theme of this season is then realizing that being a Mandalorian isn't just a creed it is about the person under the armor that dictates what kind of mando you are and I I could see a scenario where after all this if it wasn't the deal because Cobb is a man of his word and he's honoring the deal if Cobb didn't want to give back the armor, I could see through them in this episode, like, Din being like, no, you earned it. Like, that's what Mandos do. We earn yeah. our armor. And that's a big exploration. I think he'd
1: rather do that than kill him. <laughs> yeah, at absolutely. That, at that point.
0: Because, like, all the things that happen to Din this season are really testing him as a person. And everybody who enters the season puts him on this path of him really trying to figure out who he is. And it even gets to the point in the Believer episode where Din has to take off his helmet because it's necessary and it's something he has to do. And it, it's carried on into the Book of Boba Fett, too, this theme of, like, what makes a Mando? Because, crap on and Boba Fett all you like, but the theme of Boba and theme of the Mando is Din and Boba are two sides of the exact same Mando coin. And essentially, it's them trying to figure out what kind of mandos they're going to be and what kind of people they're going to be. And they're analyzing who they are. And they are narrative foils. That's why I think Boba is such a good character in this show and compared to Den, because they are narrative foils. And it's a really cool character journey that Cobb is the first step of this, because a big part of this is also learning how to break away from institutions that we were raised in. As Din is getting around other Mandalorians. Like, Top Ant's not a Mandalorian, but he embodies the spirit of one. Um, Boba Tan and her people are different kind of Mandalorians that Din has never exposed to. And then he meets Boba Fett, who's an entirely different kind of Mando that he's never met ran into. So a lot of it is challenging who he is in this institution that he was raised in. He's only known one way to be a Mando. And now he's running into all these other people who are telling him there's more than one way to be a Mando. And it's I, like that impact that Cobb has on Den is D- Cobb very much embodies what it means to be a Mandalorian. And it does affect him. Like Grogu is, is Den's world. And he reaches this point where if Den dies, he 100% trusts Cobb with his child, which says so much. About the impact that Cobb left on Den if he died. Um
1: He's only going on a very little bit of information though, so he's just it's there's some feelings involved in there.
0: Yeah, very much so. Um and, and kind of a smaller note, I, I enjoyed seeing Cobb's small character arc in this episode. Um it's very beautiful to see because he starts this episode like, no, Tuscans are monsters. I'm not helping them. But then there's like little things, like during the camp scene, he refused to take their drink. And when they're fighting the dragon at the end, he takes their drink and he stands up for the Tuscans and he doesn't let the people in Mospel go bully them. And it's it's a small character arc and it's it's pretty cliche. It's a pre- it's nothing new, but it's nice. I, it's it's a nice little character journey for him. And I think it really solidifies him as the good man he is because he he watches Den. He watches Din interact with them. He learns about them, and it's cliche, but it's it's well done. I I like I like watching Cobb's little character arc in this episode.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's classic.
0: Yeah. Okay, I have a tiny gripe, and I I kind uh, of have been joking around it. I think this episode is just a few t- minutes too long, which is yeah, something we're you it. Mentioned- um, and I sort know it's this. I know it's the season premiere, and it's supposed to be this, like, spectacular season premiere, but there is a lot of walking. There's a lot of flying ships. We have, like, when he lands on Tatooine, it's, like, four shots of him landing and flying through Tatooine. There's a lot of driving. Like, when they first leave Mos Pelgo, there's, like, two scenes of them driving Uh, cop gives his backstory and then like three more scenes of them driving and then there's a lot of sitting around and there's camping and there's so much riding banthas there's so much riding banthas in the desert every time they have to go somewhere they give us at least four different shots of them riding banthas this is not lord of the rings (laughs) we don't need to see them walking through the countryside 12 times um And then there's like driving, like there's so much driving and they're fighting crate dragons. And so like the first time I watched this episode, I felt like it was dragging in those shots. And so the second time watching this episode, I still feel that. And those moments really drag for me. And I think they could have trimmed off like three minutes and it would have been so much tighter. Just like, like just trimming out some of the, like, you don't need 10 different scenes of them driving and riding manthas to the desert. You only need like three. That's it. <laughs> and so, like, those, like, little moments, it wasn't bad. It was just a pacing issue that those moments really drag for me because I don't care about the four different cool shots of them flying through Tatooine. I, I'd i only care for two. Three is too much. Four is outrageous.
1: I, I agree that it, they could have made it shorter. They could have made it shorter by, like, 15 minutes probably with, like, through editing and, like, there's there's things that are that 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 are just repeated and and stuff like that, but I don't think it should be. I I don't think it necessarily should be shorter because I I unlike unlike you, not, that those weren't too much for me. I'm I enjoy especially like sort of hopping back into the second season, just sort of hanging out in the world a little bit. You know, ah, oh, we're riding a band for a little while. Let's take our time. It, it was almost as if they were just like here drink it in you know drink in you know the, and i and i i enjoy i enjoy that i can enjoy watching them traveling single file to, to hide their numbers through the sand and you know just and riding a, a speed the the and and the and the thing about it, it is great. they were they were all shot really cool too they were all shot really nicely yeah, it
0: all looks great yeah it really yeah, does yeah. I just... so I'm,
1: I'm 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 you know i wasn't in a hurry for the episode to be done so 50 some minutes of it is okay it's okay with me that they dawdled around in in universe because i'm sort of i'm i'm more of the visual guy i'm more of like i could sit there and just be like yeah we're hanging out with two two speeder bikes just riding around tattooing you know it's almost like watching someone play a video game with much better graphics
0: like, I, and that's the thing, it all looks great. It all looks fantastic. And if they are going to, I just, th- then in that case, I kind of wish they, like, just picked and choose. Are you going to choose, like, 12 shot, shots of them driving through the desert? Or are you going to choose, like, 10 shots of them riding on Banthas? But I don't need both. Like, and so, like, I, I just remember watching this episode for the first time, and those moments really drug for me, and they drug so much more the second time around, and I was yeah. just like, oh, let's just get to the town already.
1: Yeah, God. not me. No, yes, I
0: know Grogu's in a pouch. I don't need to see him in a pouch ten times. <laughs> but, like, it is a tiny pacing gripe, like, and even then, it's all beautiful. Like, I mean this. Yeah. It's, it's the smallest gripe for me. um. I have a much bigger gripe, though. And this is like a like a really long note. So just, just let me go through it, okay? <laughs> um, I do want to preface this note by saying it is not the episode's fault. It is a personal preference. It is a me thing. Me. It's a hope thing. Me. It's a personal preference. Beginning to end. While the battle is cool as hell... I don't get a lot of enjoyment watching an innocent animal get slaughtered. I just don't. It just it's there the whole the first time I watched this episode and even now I'm just like, this animal is just living and I feel the same way about the mudhorn. That mud horn was just living its life, doing its thing. And like they've done this before protecting its
1: baby, its potential watching its egg, you know. Right.
0: It was, and and so like I just don't get a lot of enjoyment from watching that. I think the difference between this and the Mudhorn is the Mudhorn was so symbolically tied into Den, because he was essentially in the same place. He was protecting his child. He was trying to find a way to provide for it, and it symbolically became part of him. So the Mudhorn is essentially Denjaren. The great Dragon's just a dragon. It's just living his life and doing his thing. And, like, we've done this in Star Wars before. Like, they killed the big Manta thing in Resistance, but it had purpose. If they didn't kill the Manta, it was necessary because Doza needed to feed hundreds of people. And if they didn't kill it, those people would starve. It had a purpose behind it. And it's another thing if animals are weaponized. One of the big things in the High Republic is the bad guys use a creature called the Leveller or the Shikara or the Nameless. Those are its three names. And this creature is specifically used to murder Jedi. This creature eats the force and it kills Jedi in seconds. So they have to fight this creature because they're defending themselves or it will literally kill them because Marcion Rowe has weaponized this animal and that's not the purpose to this. Now, of course, I'm talking about this like prior to Phase Two coming out yet. So for all we know, like maybe the Jedi did go out and slaughter a lot of levelers. We don't know because Phase Two's not out yet. But they do the same thing with the drink gear. The drink gears is an invasive animal that's intelligent and it's a species and it will kill people. The great dragon is not weaponized and they're not killing it because of. I guess the the Tuscans take food. It's a for- predator. It is a predator, I mean... and the Tuscans do take the meat from it, but they also establish an episode in the text that the Tuscans have learned to live with it. They feed the crate dragon. They respect it. They don't have to actually really kill it if they don't want to. And like, the crate dragon is just living its life. It's not like the Empire has weaponized it to attack people. These people, being the people of Mos Pelgo and the Tuscans, have moved into its territory. And all it's doing is eating things to survive because it's an animal. And it kind of goes into that nuanced conversation of the people of Mos Pelgo moved on to the Tuscan land. And like it's like getting mad at a bear in the suburbs. Well, it's, if, just, if it's,
1: it's the right—this is getting into—animal an, rights are just an extension of human rights. You know, you get to a certain point in human rights where you go like— Well, why not treat animals since they're sentient this way? But this is, I mean, this is consistent with the attitude in in Star Wars where, except for a few exceptions, i.e. like Ezra and stuff, animals are treated pretty, droids are treated better than animals in Star Wars. Animals are treated as disposable even, like, in the prequel trilogies, Jedi would kill animals that were, like, just, like, you know, like, fighting in a in a arena, but those animals were just captured and then baited at them, and they, you know, they did not have... They weren't like, let's try to spare these animals out. They were just like, oh, I guess we got to kill an animal. So, but at the same time, they, they also, like, you know, would pet pet stuff you know the Mandalorian will pet the dog but they'll he'll kill the tree it's very like sort of wild west attitude towards animals as animals are just sort of resources and sometimes they're cute you know but for the most part they're they're not treated with much empathy at all in all of Star Wars for the most part it was like the last Jedi and parts of uh rebels that really started to like put put in the idea of animals being <laughs> factor them you know into into star wars more as characters that that you know sentient characters you know that you care about and uh have yeah. the force in them and stuff like that whereas usually in star wars they're just like oh this thing's attacking me kill it you know
0: and, and even then like yeah, the great dragon hunts, but they go out of their way to kill it. it it's different with no, like, they, yeah. Dogs.
1: No, they hunt it down and they hunt it down and kill it. It's it's very much like Jaws. Yeah. yeah,
0: and I I wrote the analogy of it's like getting mad at a bear in the suburbs because humans cut down the forest, built their houses, and now they live on a lake where the bear used to fish. And the bear. Did yeah, but you wrong. can
1: explain that to people; they'll still kill the bear because it's good at that. Because it might get it, hope. It might attack the school,
0: <laughs> not the children, <laughs> not the babies. Um,
1: but you know, I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing. It's uh, it, when it comes right down to it, it's it's sort of a practical. And who know? You know, he could. What if he blows up something in the town that ends up killing half the town, or by knocking something over, or or eats eats the sheriff or the town. You, you know and and the tuscans they have to feed stuff to it which is a resource of theirs that they have to give up and i imagine every once in a while he gets out and and uh because they're, they're you know they're like well they know his his feeding cycle and stuff so they feed him um you know the occasional bantha but that doesn't really work because he's going and cruising through the through the the town and eating their banthas too so
0: yeah you know like, i don't mind it as much with the tuscans because they've learned to li- live with it and they like they do like they take the meat and stuff like that to eat but like the people in ospelgo they just move their fucking town just move they a lot could of fi-
1: the- i mean they could do so if they wanted to be like you know humanistic about it they could figure out something like in rebels with the spiders where they were like Oh, you stick these sticks in the ground, and it makes a noise that the thing doesn't like. It will put these around the border of the town and the Tuskins.
0: I, th- I think what really know, the
1: Tuskins camp.
0: I think what really got to me was when this episode came out. A lot of people were like, "Yeah, fuck the crate dragon. This is awesome. They killed it and stuff like that." And like, imagine if they killed a loth cat in Rebels. People would lose their shit if they killed a loth cat in Rebels, but. Because the crate dragon is a big scary monster, it's okay to kill it. I mean, it's the same quality. Well, it was like
1: the kaiju in, in Clone Wars, too. That poor guy wasn't just was yeah! just doing
0: Yeah, exactly. And they gave a lot more sympathy to the um Zillow Beast. They gave so much more sympathy to the Zillow Beast than they did to the Crate Dragon, and it was about the same amount of time because it was like what two episodes of Clone Wars. Which yeah. is two twenty two minutes, it's, it's it's almost exactly the same amount of time. And they got across a lot more sympathy.
1: If you we're, want, we're still in the brutal part of Din's arc, you know?
0: Yeah. And so, like, it's a personal preference. I just don't like, I'm not a fan of watching innocent animals getting slaughtered in my Star Wars
1: and me neither, but it's, it's a trope in Star Wars at this it point. It is,
0: it is. But like that alone, like really drags down this episode for me. Like, is the finale fight really cool? Yeah, it's badass as hell. It's it's a really great battle, and it's fun. It's fantastic to watch, and it's really well done. But know, it's just not my cup of tea because like the great dragon is just living its life. Like the Tuscans are one thing, but like they can move Mos Pelgo, they don't have to live there, they could just build their little tiny city somewhere else, you know? They don't have to live there. Um, so yeah, it's a personal preference thing. I, I don't personally like watching it, it bothers me. Um, not a fan, but it's not a fault of the episode because it is a trope and it is a Star Wars thing. And I understand the trope as a, from a narrative perspective and I understand it a, from a writing perspective. It's a me thing. I don't like watching it. Just a me thing. So, um, the last note is what are your thoughts on Boba's return?
1: I'm, I'm, I, I was, I was, I'm cool with it. I'm like at this point I was in the original viewing of it, I was like, eh, I'm not really that Boba Fett. Wasn't really a striking character to me, except for his armor. <laughs> he never did anything exceptional. in in all of star Wars up to that point, really out, outside of the, the cartoon and the, the, in the Christmas special holiday special. But, um, I was like, Oh, you know, really psyched that they, they, they followed the logic and got, you know, Tamara Morrison to, to play him. But I was very, uh, I was very on the fence and not, not too hot on it at this point the first time around. And now I'm just psyched because I know where it goes, you know? So I'm like, all right, let's get this moving. Let's get Boba Fett in here. And Boba Fett's, uh, I'm looking forward to it because this is, this, this is, this season is what made Boba Fett. uh, At the end of the season, I was like, all right, I actually like Boba Fett and I'm, into him as a character, he's got something going on. Fine, finally they gave Boba Fett something to do and and made him a real character. So here we go, you know. So I'm I'm more excited about it the second time through.
0: I feel the exact same way. Um, I remember seeing Boba for the first time and I was like, oh, I guess that make I mean it makes sense that he's here, but also uh, we're gonna have Boba Fett. I was the same way. Like Boba Fett was always fine. He's in the. He was a background character, and he was yeah. he was fine. I, I sort of liked him in Clone Wars, but they did so little with him over Clone Wars.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah. Other
0: than be like, I'm a clone. He's just I'm
1: a bratty gonna, kid. Yeah.
0: I'm gonna beat up Mace Windu because he like killed my dad. Um. And they really made Boba a character in this show, and so I have completely changed my tune as well. Like I'm very excited to see where they go with this character, especially after Book of Boba Fett because he really is Din's narrative foil and it really does make a lot of sense for these two characters to be on the journey they are on together and i love it so i i'm the same way i i i used to not be hot on it but now i i think i remember when Mandel was first airing, and we were doing either Rebels or, or Resistance, one or the other, and I think we like I I said that the number one thing I didn't want was it to be the Boba Fett show, and I told them that and I, the number one thing I said is I did not want to see Boba Fett, and now I really want to see it. Like I I, I yeah. want to see it. <laughs> so, um, but that's all I have for notes. Did you have anything else?
1: I do not. All right, score up the episode, Chris. I gave it a nine. I really enjoyed it. Little, little fat around the edges, but I enjoyed the fat. I chewed on the fat a little bit and savored it. It was nice and crunchy. It had a little char from the grill on it. It was delicious. So I just, I, I, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. It was very Star Warsy. the The special effects sucked me right into it. It was, it was just a pleasure to watch. So just, just a strong opener back into the, you know, not heavily into the you know main storyline just a nice little thing add some characters and it was it was nice it's obviously grown more complicated than that first episode in the first season but this is a nice simple way like they started the the season before this is sort of like a combo of the first two episodes of of the last season and and it works well
0: yeah, I like a lot of things in this episode. This episode definitely benefits a lot from knowing what happens later. Um, a lot of the later stuff, like Book of Boba Fett and the rest of the season, really inverts back to this episode. And it makes this episode sing a lot better. Um, yeah,
1: there's a lot of charismatic acting going on in this episode, too. So that's Yeah, awesome.
0: I, I adore Cobb Vanth. I think he's a great addition to the cast. Um I, the only thing that drags it down, as I said, I, I think the pacing's a little slow at times. I don't think I think it's a little over the top, and that we don't need a bajillion scenes of them driving in the desert. That's just me, um, and I, I don't like watching innocent creatures die. It's not my jam. Um, but the fight is cool as hell. It is cool as hell, but it's just not my my personal jam of Star Wars. Yeah, so- no, it
1: was the same with me. the The fight's really cool, and I enjoyed it. And I was rooting for. I was rooting for them to kill the creature, and then afterwards, I was just like, "Yeah, well, you know, if you think about it, it's kind of fucked up." (laughs)
0: Yeah, a lot of things in Star Wars, if you think about it, is kind of fucked up. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, it comes into territory
0: close to you i give an 8.5 out of 10 i thought it was it's a a stellar opening episode but it definitely has a lot of the work of the later stuff that has come back full circle with it that really makes this episode it has
1: a lot more of the things that appeal more to me too so you know makes sense
0: Well, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. This week, our feedback comes from Facebook for our Star Wars Celebration reaction episode, and I have been—I've known about this comment for weeks, and I've been choking up a bit to get into it. So. so I
1: can tell at the bottom that's for you to actually answer him, and not me to read in your voice,
0: right? Those are okay. my notes, because okay. I've been chomping to get into this point. All
1: right, so I'll, I'll get you there. Okay, Diego says, everything is Clone Wars now. To be honest, I don't like that art style. Too blocky for me. I preferred the Rebels and Resistance one. I feel this is a result of hashtag save Clone Wars, and people that didn't like the change of style from Clone Wars to Rebels, they finally got what they wanted. And I know that the standardization of... The animation font of Star Wars allows for quicker development of the shows, but I feel that choosing the Clone Wars as a standard was a marketing choice to not disappoint the original fans of Clone Wars. I kind of feel the same way for Ahsoka. Now we need to see her uh quinceañera party or else how are we going to know she really has fif- she really has 15?
0: Oh, and
1: oh. it's she's really 15. Oh, she oh okay, okay. Um Take, take I don't, your- I don't know I I don't know if if they I you know I think uh, it's definitely a safe style to pick into but I don't know if they were trying to do it to please the fans but they very well might have because yeah they were they were but yeah and, and there's a there's a feel in that era of this in the Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett where it's like we really have to you know cement down the original fans so it might be but i don't know if clone wars is really could be you know considered like original trilogy fans or it's this weird mid area because that's where you came in hope you know as someone from you know a different generation than the original trilogy so it's it's hard to say i think uh, you know we we discussed it before it's safe and it was it, it it sprouted from the Clone Wars, so it might as well, it would be weird to have all their characters' designs change. We see, you know, people who go from show to show, we get to see their character in the different style. But having the whole cast all of a sudden, you know, coming from Clone Wars looking different might have been a little shocking, too. I mean, I would have been down with it, but anyway, that's all I really got to say. Go. you've been chomping
0: i understand the love of clone wars because for 10 years that was the only star wars we had on screen it carried star wars for a decade (laughs) it was the only way we could see star wars so i get the love of it right and I understand it. And as you said, that's how I became a fan. My entry point to the fandom was Clone Wars. So I, I do love the show. I highly recommend listeners to go look up the Sky Talkers episode on this. They do, Every year they do a summer series of specials. And the series they did a few summers ago was covering the history of Star Wars animation. And they go from the beginning through the holiday special, through the Ewoks and Droids cartoons... All the way up for like two episodes, all the way up through Resistance. Because that was all the animation out at the time when they did these episodes. Because one point they dive into was the backlash of hashtag save Clone Wars. Because, yeah, it did help bring Clone Wars back. It helped keep Clone Wars alive. It helped keep people interested. But a big part that they talk about that they also document, it was also a blatant attack on Rebels and Resistance. It was more toxic than it was helpful. A lot of those fans used hashtag #SaveCloneWars to attack the new styles, to bully Resistance fans, to bully Rebels fans, and to go after them. And it was a very toxic time for fandom. Not that to- fandom isn't toxic, toxic all the time, but that specific hashtag was used to both save Clone Wars and attack fans that loved Rebels and Resistance because they were fans of a different style. And look. Clone Wars style makes sense for the Bad Batch and the upcoming Tales of the Jedi show. And those shows make sense to be in a Clone Wars style. One, being Bad Batch, is a direct sequel to Clone Wars, and the Tales of the Jedi shorts that we know of are Clone Wars characters with Ahsoka, Dooku, and Qui-Gon. Like, it makes sense for it to, that time period to be in that style. What I would love to see, and I think I mentioned this in our Celebration episode... Um, is if they do another season of Tales of the Jedi, I hope they do other styles. So if season two is like, like original trilogy uh, Jedi, I would love for it to be Rebel style. If it's sequel trilogy Jedi, I would love for it to be in Resistance style. Or, what a novel idea, do a completely new style. (laughs) Entirely.
1: It's, you're also talking about millions of dollars in production design and redesigning everything. So it's a, a lot of work to do that too. So maybe they're counting their pennies and saying, we got the software infrastructure to do this style. We can tweak on it, but you know, in order we'd ha- we have to get the whole, we, we, you know, they have to p- pull all the whole pre-production design crew bat whenever they do a new style they have to hop in and redesign every ship and you know how is this going to move differently and look differently and work with light differently and stuff so maybe it's it's also just a logistical expense
0: i would buy that if it was two. some i would buy that if it was like a smaller studio like blue sky I don't buy it when it's fucking Disney. <laughs>
1: yeah, but they. Yeah, but that's 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 uh, uh like you know when when George Lucas, who had all the money in the world, was doing Episode One, he was watching that budget. You gotta like you you're always wa- like that. You know, every Star Wars show has a budget. You know, and Disney's someone someone up the ladder at Disney has given Lucasfilm their money, and then Lucasfilm has that money, and they have to divvy it up between their star wars shows and production and that's the money you know and so you know that's and it and you'd think it's star wars the biggest franchise in the world but hollywood has you know and i'm lumping disney into hollywood because they're a big producer of media big producers of media have a a you know there's there's people on there trying to get bonuses and there's shareholders and stuff so the cheaper we can get those Star Wars movies out, the the more the profit rate ratio is. So, so you know,
0: you're saying that because of corporate greed, we can't have new animation styles
1: because uh, not. No, not that it's not that cut and dried. I'm sure it's a factor in it, you know, but budget is, budget time is also a factor in it, too, because it's like it takes time to, to do all that and. And and animation's already time consuming but like it's probably a a myriad of factors but like and i'm sure maybe the hashtag part was a factor too but it's probably just a whole bunch of whole bunch of stuff to do it that that led to that decision you know it's hard to say without actually working there and knowing the whole structure but i mean that's that's I mean when you have a movie you have your budget and and sometimes movies go over budget and the studio will give them more money but it's never as easy as that there's usually a huge fight and battles and lawyers hired and threats made and negotiations done but like yeah but with you know look Lucas, at Lucasfilm even when it was just George Lucas had a certain amount of money to spend and they they you know they probably raised it through producers and uh, producers raised it through you know ways and and that's it. So like George Lucas was painting, sitting there painting Q-tips for the crowd scenes, and <laughs> you know they were fi- they were they were finding ways to do everything the cheapest way they possibly could. So yeah, there's there's more duct tape and and faking it in Hollywood, even in the biggest of movies and running up against limitations always no matter how incredibly rich and famous you are
0: I I hear you I don't necessarily agree um, but I hear you and it's a good argument I, I think also a big part of it is the backlash like these ha- hashtag save Clone Wars bros was like attacking cast members online and like going after and as they do as fandom menace people and not all of them, but like they were like going after like Pablo Hidalgo and like attacking like voice actors and like berating them and saying the show sucks because it looks bad and stuff like that. And these are the same people who are just like, well, Darth well, that Maul should be... instantly
1: shrink their influence. You know, you would hope.
0: You would hope, but when yeah. they are constantly getting the hashtag to trend. And you see, like, the stockholder people who are not in fandom, like, the higher-ups, they're like, oh, stock- right, right. Clone, Clone Wars know. must be popular. Yeah. Let's do more Clone Wars stuff because it's trending yeah. weekly for, like, I it mean, was, like, it was like a solid, like, two years. The first two, like, season of Rebels, whenever Rebels was airing, hashtag Save Clone Wars would be trending during Rebels air- episodes. Like, it what? was targeted.
1: One of my big wear downs in life from when I started first being interested in movies and media and stuff and art in general was, you know, this, the, the, um, I, I keep wanting to say sanctity, but it's not sanctity The the, the ethics or like, you know, making your true art vision that you want to make and, and stuff like that. And the problem is. It, we live in uh, a, a consumer culture, so you have all this stuff that's made primarily to make money. Anything else, quality-wise, is is the ba- is the artists battle to try to get as much of it uh, as they they can, or get as much power as they can, so they have as much sway as they can. And I used to get like up in arms about it but now i'm just sort of worn down to where it's like i have to like manage my expectations especially like star wars is a good example i had to even more so with star wars because it went from being george lucas's baby where it was like an in it was a company that was just sort of based on and around star wars and and spot things spawned from Star Wars like the video games and stuff and their special special effects studio you know Luke you know ILM and all that but it was basically George Lucas's company and he could do whatever he wanted and he did with with all all his all especially the prequels he just did whatever he wanted he he did the full art artist thing and he paid for it because. Wasn't made to please everybody, you know. It wasn't designed to please everybody, but the problem and 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 Disney just ran into a different series of problems. But they, Disney felt that they had to listen to people more. George Lucas was just like, "Fuck it! When I make Clone Wars, I'm going to make give Jar Jar a whole episode." I mean, the
0: actually fun fact that Sky Talkers talked about in their episode, George Lucas funded the entire first season of Clone Wars before he ever talked to Cartoon Network. When he arrived at Cartoon Network, he was just like, I have an entire season yeah. finished. I yeah. paid for it. Have a show. And Cartoon Network was like, oh, thanks.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes, we will. Yes, we, yes, please.
0: You you paid for an entire first season all by yeah. yourself? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah.
1: He had an idea and he wanted to do it. and And there's... There's, uh, you know, there's ideas into it that they give Disney shit for, but George Lucas was thinking the same thing. And I like, I think everybody was thinking the same thing at that time period. I was thinking of like a story and I'm like, if I ever write like a story, I have to make sure that like, you know, I I was thinking to myself, if I like really made a story that reflected like my friend group and stuff, there would be all different, you know, there would be a, it'd be half girls, (laughs) you know? as as is the world. Well oh, stuff like minister. that. And I think Not people was, I think that was starting to come into the public conscious and George Lucas was like, I'm gonna make a and also this is also this is something that Disney understands and makes it more commercial. Let's put a little girl put girl characters in there. Have some have some women in there. And uh and women will will enjoy, you know, have some so, somebody of their own to like project into, you know, or or be like, you know, I could be, you know, there's a. If you're a girl and you have to watch Star Wars and you got Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia and Princess Leia doesn't work for you as a character, you'd rather be Luke Skywalker. You have to do an extra little extension and be like, well, I could be a woman that was sort of like Luke Skywalker or something, but now you got Ahsoka and it's just like, boom, I could be Ahsoka, you know? Yeah, that was me. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, uh, yeah. So, and. and, you know, it would be great if society advanced smoothly and easily, but
0: but you know. so to get back to Diego's original question because he's talking <laughs> about the, like the the Clone Wars style and stuff like that. I agree, I want other styles of animation in Star Wars, like, I want it to be more than the Lego specials and Clone Wars. I want more, like, as devices as divisive as it can be in animation circles i'd love to see a cow art star wars i said what i said
1: i'm i'm with them do experimenting with any kind of style or format that they they want i'm i'm and and if it works it works if it doesn't work it doesn't work you're gonna find some stuff that crashes spectacularly and you find some stuff that works that nobody thought would have worked so just throw it again they're afraid I, to throw everything against the wall now because there's uh, so many finicky eaters.
0: They're afraid to throw things against the wall now because of people like hashtag save Clone Wars. And I said what I said. I yeah. want a cow. Arts. Well,
1: they, they have to. Let learn me finish to... my
0: note. <laughs> I want a cow on Star Wars. People are going to hate that. And I know people will hate a Cal Arts Star Wars. And I want it. I want to see them suffer because I don't think Cal Arts is a bad art style. Is it used a lot? Yeah. Why? Because a lot of the major animators of these days, what the fucking Cal Arts? Give me a Cal Arts Clone Star Wars. Give me. Titmouse Studios. I want to see a more Galaxy of Adventures. I would love to see a Star Wars in a Vox Machina style. That style is so good and screams Star Wars. And I think like Vision... Did, Star Wars Visions did a lot to bring new animation into the franchise. It really breathed a breath of fresh air that's not the Clone Wars styles, And I'm really stoked for Season 2 to be from studios all over the world because we're going to see like French studios and I, I think there's an African studio see, part
1: of it. But that's easier to do the stylized stuff because then the studios do it themselves. Yeah. The studio do all their design for, you know, all their production design for that specific episode, but they and- don't have to reinvent the whole world you know and it, it. and
0: it's also i think part of it is also visions is not canon so they don't have to worry about it. like and, if they, they, do, and if they, they also do a don't have to put out an episode fett, every week chibi boba fett it's not gonna make a splash because it's not canon and they know? can work
1: on their each each studio can work on their episode for the entire production run of the show instead of having to make 20 episodes for a season so so, they, can, they can they can gild the lilies a lot more with that too.
0: But I'm with you, Diego. If they announce an animated show after Tales of the Jedi and it's still in a Clone War style, I'm gonna be fucking salty. I'm gonna be salty.
1: Uh, yeah, I'll agree with you there. I, I I want them to like you know if it if if it, if it if it if it's not like if if it's a a new show based at you know like Rebels or like Resistance do something, come up with something else, I'd be very happy with that, yep.
0: Yeah, so I agree with you, Diego. I, I I understand the Clone Wars style for Bad Batch and Tales of the Jedi. I do not want to keep seeing the Clone Wars style. I feel you. So, candy, I need candy. Candy. Thank you for the comment, Diego. Um... So, as always, our friend Dario... This candy from all over the world review because Chris hates American Kit Kats because he's a weirdo. And Dario is Chris's co-podcaster for Eat It and Beat It. And this week we have caramel cowtails, and they're made in the United States. I haven't had a cow tail in years.
1: I've never had a cow tail before, I've seen them for years.
0: I, I had this time period of like six months where I was obsessed with cowtails. And I Oh, they're,
1: they're neat. Oh my I, god, they're caramel, but that's Stuff in the middle is weird. It's almost like Oreos a little bit.
0: Yeah, like I went through a t- time where I, for like six months, I ate like a cowtail a week. I was obsessed with them.
1: Mmm,
0: it tastes just the same. They also make chocolate cowtails. So instead of the caramel outside, it's chocolate with the cream in the middle.
1: I think I would like those better. I like this, but the caramel is very mild caramel.
0: And I like them. I like cow tails because they're not very, they're not overly sweet. Like no. the caramel is actually not very sweet. The sweetness comes from the cream in the middle.
1: Mm-hmm. Which this is, is like, very this old. Caramel is basically just sugar. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: But. So, tastes just like when I was obsessed with them. That's that hasn't good. changed. Mmm. Mmm. God, I haven't had a cow tail in like ten years. I went through my obsession and then I stopped eating cowtails for like a decade.
1: I kind of want to freeze it and see how it tastes frozen.
0: Mm. Highly recommend getting the chocolate ones. Those are really good. Mm-hmm. But the cream center was always the best. That was always the best part of the cowtail to me.
1: I had a chocolate honey bun the other day that was pretty good.
0: Ooh, I've never had it. I, when I was when I was in high school, I probably had a honey bun like three times a week because they were in the vending machine.
1: They have chocolate honey buns now, and they taste like a chocolate donut, so they're good. And now they have also they have glazed donuts that that have ca- caffeine equal to a cup of coffee in them. Mm. That you can dunk in your coffee.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Dario. That took me back like a decade. That's
1: good. Yeah. Mm.
0: Oh. Well, did you have anything else about the Marshall? I do not. All right, Chris. Well, where can people find you?
1: You can find me at Two True Freaks. That's our website. That is where we hold all of our podcast hostage. Hostage. It's a hostage situation. But you can still go there and listen to them. Just can't free them from Two True Freaks. They must stay there forever, and they will as long as there is an internet.
0: Like, like Grogu living rent free in Yoda's head. Yeah, dad, like,
1: like the black. It's there. like the. Bla- it's more like the Black Mirror, but. Yeah, um, you can also find us at Facebook. We have the Two True Freaks podcast page where we post all our new episodes. We, as in all the Two True Freaks podcasters, including Hope and I, with J-Guys and Jedi, and we also have the Two True Freaks Cantina, which is kind of a hangout joint. And um, then we have the Two True Freaks page on Twitter. And that is run by Jean Jean, the crate dragon slaying machine.
0: Ooh, Jean's a penis metaphor. Jean! (laughs) (laughs) Love you, Jean.
1: Jean slays a penis metaphor, but yeah. (laughs) But Jean can be a penis metaphor, too. Let's, Let's be fair
0: chain write us a message. For your pizza
1: but that's where you can find me. Where can I find you, Hope?
0: You can find me at J Guys and Jedi on Twitter. I run our Twitter account. You can also find me at Hope Molmex. I'm also a staff writer for The Geeky Waffle. I am um, slowly but surely working my way through the episodes of Dead in Paranormal Park and writing reviews over there. Um, I do want to say very big congratulations to my friends over at Pink Milk. I know this will come out like two weeks late, but uh last friday they had their 200th episode of pink milk yay um and i'm super proud They're of still them smoking them yeah and i was very grateful and honored to be able to be on their live stream for their 200th episode they invited me to be on because i am their chat moderator on friday nights um so you can usually find me in the chat not this friday but this is two weeks late so that's not gonna matter. Um, and they invited me on to be part of their 200th episode and I was, it was really special and it was such an honor and I love all of them over there and congratulations to our friends from Pink Milk for your 200th episode. So, Chris, we're going to fight next week. Why? Because you've said it. Next week is the Frog Lady episode.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) I, I, I just have to ask. You have to let me explain the
1: situation. Froggy went to Courtney and she did ride. Yum, yum.
0: Because it's actually a very nuanced situation that people spun wildly out of control. (laughs) Because it's fandom. And I want to, you have to promise to let me explain the situation because i know the people who started the conversation and why they said it and the very real world pain they experienced wow. and i i will not be making jokes of it because i know them
1: <laughs> pain is not pain is not what i experienced with that yeah it was a little awkward but
0: yeah next week's going to be an interesting episode guys just be aware um it is the frog lady episode it had a lot of um craziness
1: in
0: the
1: Frog fandom that week. Say what? Frog feels? Froggy feels?
0: No, more of uh, people not being respectful of people who struggle with birth. And people making fun of that. <laughs> that that's where it started. People were, uh, like, uh, women came out and were just like, yeah, I struggle with fertility and I wish, it, I wish they were a little bit more nuanced with that. Perfect criticism, and people were like, "Oh, the frog lady people." So we're gonna be having a very interesting conversation next week, guys. Just be warned. So come back next week for that mess when we talk about the passenger.
1: <laughs> All right, a mess.
0: A mess. Next week's gonna be a mess, but it's us. When is it not a mess? Right? Right? That's true. It's us. It's a, it's oh, it's a hot be, mess. It's always gonna be a hot mess, anyway. Love, Din Cobb. Bye. Bye.
1: Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com.